What's going on, everybody? This is the Eat Sleep Elite podcast. It's 420. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's your weekly AWP review. It's your weekly AWP review. Hell yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm fucking with you. But anyway, it's your weekly AW review and breakdown. I actually can't speak. You know what's funny? Sidebar in the middle of my intro here. I literally, Charlie, whenever I turn on a recording or a fucking stream, I can't, the words, I can't say them anymore. I can have a coherent ass conversation for you for like four hours before this, right? Not fuck up my words hardly at all. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, we're back. We're back at it again with, uh, you know, more AW reviews, you know, you know. We uh we took um a week off. Uh, Charlie was out uh you know scouting talent in Japan and left like a prick without me and uh you know was getting down with all the fucking you know uh the 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 young kids as they say. I've never been outside, so I don't know what that's like. Um, but Headshot. I hear that the grass was uh was you know what I mean. Did you touch grass while you were there, Charlie? The grass was greener on the other side. That's amen. All right. Anyway, um, so yeah, so we'll, but you know, we're, we're back obviously, and I'm sure we'll hit some stuff that we just didn't talk about last week. This week, um, obviously, I'll I'll get into, you know, what you can look to expect here in a bit. Um, but before I get into all that, there's a couple orders of business to take care of at the top of the show. The first of which being, you know, if this is the first time you guys are listening to this, you might not know we both have Twitters. You know, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Bane Duke. That's B A N E D U K E. You can follow Charlie at O Charlie with an X instead of an A. Davinci, Davinci, and you can also follow the uh, the pod on Twitter as well. Eat Sleep Elite. Sorry, at Eat Sleep Elite, I should say. So make sure you understand that. And, uh, you know, we are building a little wrestling community there over on X.com, Twitter, whatever the hell you call it. Um, and so you can find us there. You can also make sure whatever podcast platform you happen to be listening to this on, be that Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on, make sure you hit that follow button or that subscribe button, whatever it says on your platform of choice. That being said, though, let's break down what the show is going to be about this week, everybody, because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Like I said, there's some stuff from last week that we missed. There's also some new stuff uh, to talk about, obviously, from this week. We got our Ring of Honor Dynamite Rampage and Collision results, as always. We got our Adam Copeland in-ring debut. Um, we have various uh, title reigns we're going to break down. For example, like, you know, FTR, Ray Phoenix, Soraya. Um, and, of course, there's some other stuff outside of that stuff that we like to talk about. Um, chiefly in the news, there'll be some departures from AEW. Ominous that we'll be talking about, as well as the New Japan Super Tag League that was announced. And CMLLL. CMLL and AAA are also doing some stuff together that is kind of interesting. Um, worth almost AEW unheard that, of. That yeah, yeah. no, it's it's literally unprecedented. Like, not to sound like the racist wrestling fan up, you know, north of the border, but like the the vibe that I have always gotten about the con- the con- about the companies down there is that they're very territorial, like kind of like how the territories were back in the day. You know, except maybe a little bit more extreme because I'm assuming there's fewer of them, maybe overall, or maybe there's more. I have no fucking clue. Maybe it's literally the territory still down there. But there's a lot of bad, you know, there's a lot of history there, a lot of bad blood. So, you know, um, so, but it's fascinating that AEW is like, you know, New Japan has notoriously not worked with Western promotions a ton up until like the 2000s, I feel like, you know what I mean? And they had in the 80s, and it had been a long time since there had been like, and think about it, how, who has ever had consistent work with them besides Ring of Honor, you know what I mean? So like, um, yeah, I mean, and, look, even just 15 months ago, we had Andrade telling us how bad the politics were in wrestling 
because he, he couldn't wrestle on Forbidden Door. He was Door. sick of it. He couldn't wrestle on AEW pay-per-views. I mean, and, and now we're having CMLL and AAA on the I wonder if that means show. we'll see him soon so, on a pay-per-view. He's been on a great gonna, run recently. It'd be a good yeah. opportunity, you know? So That'd be, anyway. be fun to talk about, yeah. Absolutely. We'll get into all that stuff as well as other stuff on the show as, you know, that will come up as we go through. Um, your newest stuff like that. And uh, with that being said, though, uh, you know, that takes us, I believe, Charlie, right to our favorites. Unless I forgot yeah, to yeah. Start skin off some hot. cat or something, you know? You know, we like to start off hot. We like to get our favorites out of the way because what better way to start the show than start with what you love. And I got to tell you, this is going to come as no surprise to anyone. What I love this week, Brian Danielson, Swerve Strickland, number one contender for the TNT title. Lately, I've been glazing up just how well the TNT title has elevated, whether that's been Christian Cage, Adam Copeland debuting, you name it. The TNT title was the drizzling shits four months ago. And now we're at a point where it's actually... One of my favorite titles, and I feel like the singles AEW's title belts are both in really good spots. So, you know, when you when you have a number one contender match, commercial free, of course, of Danielson versus Swerve Strickland, my uh, expectations were very high, and I thought my expectations were met. If we had any doubt that Swerve Strickland's a main event top guy, his his past couple matches have seriously they, they flipped that switch. He he looks some guys look like they don't belong. Some guys look like they belong. Swerve Strickland, and just like I'll say, LA Knight, those guys look like they belong at the top of the card, right? So Swerve and Brian Danielson, I really enjoyed this. Um, completely different match from the, the match they had at Forbidden Door uh, with Danielson and Sabre and Swerve and Hangman. Completely different. But uh, it, it worked out well for everyone. Swerve's kill shot. Dude. When he hits it out of nowhere, it literally looks like a Mortal Kombat finisher. It's so fucking sick. And um, Danielson ended up winning via some shenanigans, if you will, from uh, Hangman. And uh, But I don't think it hurts to have Danielson win because it sets him up for the TNT title, which, of course, was on Collision, which we'll talk about towards the end of the show. But, um, yeah, all in all, I couldn't think of a better way to start uh, start the wrestling day with this. And I thought they really crushed it. And Title Tuesday was off to a hot start with a number one contender match. You know, we often ask for number one contender matches. I, why it I does it to us seem to be something AEW doesn't seem like super, like, unless they have a tournament that's going to end in, like, a yeah. shot at a title, which they do sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes that, but... you can just give me a good old 1v1 of two guys that just won on pay-per-view, and I'm happy. I'd, I'd so. like a casino ladder match that is kind of like a money-in-the-bank type thing, you know what I mean, where they're like, we need a contender. I mean, have they done that before? They If they haven't, they should, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, because that's a great way to, you know, throw a contender out there just give us contendership matches it adds so many st- the, the stakes walking into this match were a lot higher than like a traditional match agreed agreed uh what would you think of this one in uh my favorite of the week danison and swerve strickland yeah i thought it was a really good match as well um they did like the little bit of technical sort of because you know swerve is like he's like the I would think a lot of people would think he's more like does a lot of flippy sort of like athletic stuff. But like, you know, if you actually break down what Swerve does in the ring, he's just like every other wrestler that does that. He also has that base. even Ray Phoenix, you know, for how how much of his offense is based around that. He still has like a really strong technical base to him and he can play with people like Danielson and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So like um and Swerve is no different. Um, and I, I thought they were slapping the absolute piss out of each other. They just, this was a hard hitting match, you know, it's uh swerve is got like swerve. I don't even know what to describe swerve style. If, if there's like a, like, 
like a Western American, like East or East Coast, West Coast style, like West Coast, like almost strong style. Like I feel like Swerve and Danielson kind of both epitomize that. That makes sense. Um, and I feel like that's kind of cool. That there's like this sort of like unique style that comes from from that part of the country. I don't know. It's interesting to me. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, I wish these two could have a best of seven series, dude. Why haven't we had another one of those? By the way, I know they don't want to get rid of the luster around the original, but like that was yeah. a trios one. If we get a singles one, it could be the great one of the greatest storylines in AEW history. Like who who who's gonna have this? We need to have this. I, these two would be great. I don't think they'll get it, but like. We should have another best of seven series. I'll tell you what, I'd be down for. Uh, well, usually they like to do it around titles, right? Uh, but if if it's not around a title, give me give me a swerve and a hangman best of seven. Uh, that would be interesting. That you know what they seem to be still be interested in. Uh, you know, uh, uh, having a feud with each other. Actually, in this match, we had hangman stopping the steal. So you know, yep. um, so I mean, they had that megalodon back suplex. You know, um, just. Yeah, just really great selling and phenomenal like drama in the match and just really fun way to open the show. Well, I guess technically Christian opened the show, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a fun opener. So what do you got? What do you what do you got on your agenda for this week's favorites? Yeah, there's only one person that's gonna be in my favorites until proven otherwise, and honestly, like it does happen sometimes. Sometimes he gets beat out, and this was kind of like so I'm actually gonna bring up like my um secondary notes here. Um, do you actually, so can you, um, can you hit me with your dynamite notes then? Cause I actually need to just look at this match cause I don't actually have everything written down, but I want to make sure I yeah. get uh, more in cause I didn't actually originally intend for this to be my favorite. Uh, but it ended up like, I was thinking about the matches and I was like, what did I even like from this week? And there were a lot of matches that I really liked. I would say that the quality of wrestling was like pretty like standard for AW, which is uh pretty good. Um, thank you. Oh, um, definitely. but uh, I, you know, I just uh, want to make sure this match gets the credit because it, it was just, it ended a little faster than I was expecting. And I didn't like want to run it back and be like, oh, because it was oh, yeah, really sitting was, well with me, you know? And, yeah. You know, like, Definition yeah. of a sprint, but in a good way, you know? Yes. Um, but I, I'm sure I like missed some stuff. Yeah. So, you know, Cassidy was unloading the forearms. You know, we had some lariats back and forth, German suplexes. Um, I like when Cassidy, like, does Cassidy has this one unique, like, sort of, like, instead of, like, being, like, Irish whipped into the ropes, right? He'll run headlong, and then someone will, like, duck underneath, and he'll just bounce off the ropes. And it just looks interesting. I don't know. Like, Cassidy just does so much unique shit in the ring. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I could literally sit here and talk about one match from Cassidy for probably, like, an hour, honestly. Like, I probably have before, you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, he was just chucking Phoenix all over the place. They went out to the apron. We sweeping Phoenix legs out and stuff like that, you know. Um, dude, by the way, we don't really. I'm sure I mentioned it in some matches, but I, I feel like it's been a while. The crazy combinations that he finds for these tornado DDTs and stuff like that. It's I've never seen anybody really do that. I've seen people do them like off the apron onto the floor. I've seen people do them like like someone jumps off the apron onto the floor or you know dives through the ropes and then hits one. But I've never seen somebody do the kind of stuff he does. You know what I mean? Like, um, I guess I would make what makes Cassidy so you know unique as a wrestler because he not only has like that unique weird sort of like pseudo like almost like um like sort of like a backhanded sort of joke kind of uh, I'd explain that terribly but everyone knows what I mean you know that sort of like um that that style that he has in his character but then like he's also like really unique interesting like in ring wise yeah I don't know Orange Cassidy is like the total package that's why I'm not surprised with the result on this match was was 
uh, Orange Cassidy hitting an orange punch and then locking the mousetrap to pick, pick up the win and re-win the international champion. He's now the only two-time international champion. Um, probably no one's ever touching this guy with this title. Um, and I will probably get uh, 20 more great fucking matches out of this title reign. Yeah, that's kind of what I was, what I was going to ask you is, are you now... Just, just so I guess it kind of covers it. I mean, I was just pretty much thinking like, how how are you feeling that he's the champion again? It's only been thirty seven days between his title reigns. Thirty seven. So I, now I'm not saying they couldn't have waited longer. Um, okay. I I do think he's sold the injuries long enough. Yeah. Um, in terms of like it affecting him in his matches, uh, I really hope they don't go straight back to that story though. I'll be honest with you. Like it was. It was. I'm not saying he should just be fucking magically healed. Maybe let him like over time get back to 100, percent right? But what I don't like yeah. the idea of just jumping straight back into that storyline. No, no, like, exactly. I don't think unless can, he's gonna literally him. retire after this or something, and they're that's the story they're telling that he's just gonna wrestle till he, the wheels fall off. You know what I mean? What if he becomes like super protective of the belt and almost like? So I've heard that thrown out there that he's looking at it really, really. You know, um, our friend Dark was saying that earlier. He's like, he's looking at that belt. You know, maybe he's. I think maybe even they said something on commentary or something that he looks like he's really, really focused on that belt. You know? Yeah. Um. And it's like, if that's the story they go with, I mean, a heel Orange Cassidy could be the fucking greatest thing of all time. You know what I mean? Like, an Orange Cassidy that that knows how popular he is with the crowd, so he refuses to do the things that people cheer, that would be so incredible. Like, I mean, even if he does think, even if, like, like what, is he going to try now? Is that what heel Orange Cassidy does? Like, no, of course not. He's been trying for months for the championship. You know what I mean? Although, yeah. maybe that's the story. I... Yeah, hey, there's there's options here, and it could be pretty good. That being said, like we always do, we got to talk about Ray Phoenix's title reign, right? Of course. Uh, 20 days. He was a, He's our fourth inter- international champion. And he is the second shortest, shortest following Moxley, who held it for 17, where Ray Phoenix won it unexpectedly at AEW Dynamite 207. So that was the Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe, where Ray Phoenix defeats John Moxley in a pretty good match. I think we'd, I think we'd all agree. I mean, those, those are two S-tier names, so we're excited about it. The following week at AW Dynamite 208, he defeated Jeff Jarrett in a fairly forgettable match. Um, at 209, the anniversary show, he wrestled Nick Jackson in a singles match, which was actually pretty fun. Nick Jackson is is one of those guys where you never see him in singles, but when you do, he always does a little something special. And sticking him out there with Ray Phoenix was a good call. And uh, that was 13 minutes, 44 seconds. And then the ultimate sprint match where Orange Cassidy defeats Ray Phoenix in 4 minutes, 38 seconds to reach to win his title back. And I'm with you. I mean, our thoughts are pretty aligned here when it comes to Orange winning the title back. Is it too soon? Objectively, maybe yes. But at the same time, I think I'm only going to feel like that given I can't look into the future and see what they do with this. If yeah, he runs weeks, back... Now we could be like, fuck, they should have let it sit. You know what I mean? Yeah, if he runs back his storyline, you know, if we jump back into the Westerns, the Mandalorian storyline, if you will, and... You know, the journeys each fight and five I mean, weeks from now, they, he has... if they do it well, it could still work. I just, it feels like we're going backwards. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's 100%. And I, I don't want five weeks from now him to already have five title defenses. And I, I think that's, you know, now that we have, you know, we don't need that. And uh, a lot of our title, I. There's definitely a here's title. A, here's work. a cool direction you could take with it, especially if you want to lean into that sort of heel stuff. You could have like. You know, Chuck be like, 
Hey, I mean, because I think he did defend against Trent once, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yep, during the yeah, tournament. Yeah. I think so. So, you know, he could be like, hey, you gave Trent a match, which we all know Trent's a good singles wrestler. You know, he wrestled and he you know, was a tag team with Rapungi Vice before, you know, in Japan. But, like, you never gave me a title shot. And then Chuck starts to, like, have a little bit of distance between them. You know what I mean? And Trent sort of, like, looks at him sideways. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. You know, like, I don't know, like. And then, like, then, like, it's not just Orange turning evil. Like, everybody's kind of, like, you know, out for themselves a little bit. Because that's kind of, like, the story that we left best friends with, with Wheeler, right? Was that even though Wheeler did the right thing, honestly, for himself and bettered himself, right? They're all really jealous that he left them, right? So it was a weird story they did with the BCC for a while back. You know what I mean? Like, because they were all technically baby faces. So it was really weird. But, yeah. Um, or I guess it's maybe some... they were heels by then. But the point is, it's... like... Yeah, yeah it's something ahead. they need to iron out for sure. Because there's a, um, a lot of title reigns right now. This could be open for like a bigger discussion in the future, maybe. But a lot of title reigns right now don't have a direction. I do think this and, title is going to take a bit of a backseat to the TNT title for a bit, given who's like in the, the storyline that's around it. I, this title may not be on the pay-per-views for a bit, you know, like, so we'll see. Yeah, which would be a shame, but... I don't know, maybe both belts can... I, I still like the idea of the TNT title being... Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll be a little bit weirded out if the television title is the one that's on main eventing pay-per-views and the non-television no more MJF title, non-main that's the international title that's supposed to be like kind of like the Intercontinental title sort of vibe, yep. like, is considered lower than the TV title. Not that the TV title is not important, by the way. The TV titles are important. Look at Ring of Honors right now. I mean, I, when I think about that thing, I just think about Joe and I'm like, damn, that's that's a long ass title ring. Yeah, that's a pretty cool title, you know. But, um, like, but like, it's still. I feel like if we're talking about what should make the pay per view and what shouldn't, definitely the TV title should be being the one defended, being being defended on TV more and less on the pay per views. Probably, if we're being honest, like if we're just taking like logically what it is supposed to be, but it's wrestling, so it doesn't really matter. I can tell you what they need to do. They they need to. This needs to be Roosh's return, and they need to enter a blood feud with each other. I think that is a good direction. It would be completely different than what they've been doing. And maybe you just straight up have Roosh kidnap him with his guys. And you go from there, right? But I think you need to have someone do something to Orange Cassidy. And we just... Actually, I kind of agree about that. Because the entire of his title reign was focused around him, right? Yes, and now now that he's been this made star from this, now he needs to take that opportunity and and then use that to elevate other people. I feel like that's that, that would be smart uh, from a just like a storyline perspective. Because if you tee it up next week, and then we have their first match, Roosh and Orange Cassidy at full gear, it's going to be very very hyped. And yeah, that's just little 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 fantasy booking. You guys, you guys know how we love our fantasy booking. We got a decent amount of news today, and. um we got some sad news. We got some happy news. We got some what the fuck news. Uh, let's start off with Chris Hero. As we know, Chris Hero is working backstage at AEW now. Uh, a lot of speculation has been over time. You know, is he ever going to wrestle again? You know, he books West Coast Pro. He does all this. Well, Duke, I think he, I think he booked himself to face. He booked himself to face Timothy Thatcher next month. He's making his in-ring return for West Coast Pro, where he will face Timothy Thatcher. Um, Shit, he's going to break his fucking hand again. Yeah, I think that's uh, really cool. Um, Kenta Kobashi recently appeared on the Saturday show of uh, West Coast Pro as well. So Chris Hero's doing his thing. 
He's he's doing his thing. Um, there's grizzled young veterans are officially back to being the grizzled young veterans. They are no longer called the Dyad. I I sent you. I even retweeted it on our Twitter of Eat Sleep Elite. This promo that these guys cut. I mean, these guys are cut from the cloth. It's so funny because when they first came out, we fucking hated them. Oh my god! Like, and then you and then it's like, wait a minute. And then they stepped in the ring, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, we realized they could oh, all fucking wrestle. Shit. And we were like, oh shit, there's some dudes. These guys are some some black and gold NXT dudes, you know, like And now they are on the independent scene and honestly the independent tag scene just with AEW, New Japan, you name it, has never been healthier. It's so fucking rich. It is so rich. And uh if you guys haven't seen that little two and a half minute thing that they cut, it, it makes you remember that this is Zach Gibson and James Drake. They're back. I would love it if we ran them in FTR and you name it. I don't really care what they do next, but they've already they're already showing up in DPW, so it's they're they're on a world tour, and uh, I'm excited to follow it because these guys are unbelievably fucking talented. Um, former AEW guy Brian Pillman Jr. He has debuted his new gimmick and his new name. He is going by Lexus King in NXT. It's to honor the man, people who raised him and his sister. So, um. He pretty he cut a promo talking about he's nobody's junior, so uh, yeah, Pillman, uh, Lexus King's looking for a, you know, it's all about finding finding yourself a new character at that performance center, and I think I think Pillman's gonna do a good job with it. Um, I think one thing I think he's gonna probably have to unfortunately do at some point though, and I I I don't want to be that person, but even though it is honoring like his family and people that raised him and stuff, I think he's gonna get his name shortened at some point. He could probably in he WWE could. they love to do that anyway, so. Yeah. Um, Kota Ibushi has been talking about the state of his uh, AEW contract. He said, I'm based in Japan and I will travel for the matches. Basically, I'm in Japan. I work in Japan. I will be active. There are other things that make the contract even more flexible. Like if I could work for another promotion, that kind of thing is normal. Like, can I compete in another match? We talked about all those kinds of details and I still get the okay. Um, you pretty much said, even if it's not my full time, my life is dedicated to AEW. I don't play matches in Japan. I'm here to attend gym and school. That's why pro wrestling is all about AEW. So I think that lets everyone know his the Gleet thing he did was just like, you know, he wanted to wrestle in Gleet once. He, he, that was something he wanted to do. Um, well, I think it's cool that we know that he's actually under contract now. You know what I mean? Like, yep. And then something else he said, and the last thing is, I would like to make a slight correction uh, to the figure. Uh, figure four wrestling kind of posted about his contract, and he said he's he's just like ah, slight correction. You got it mostly right, but my current contract is with AEW. I think AEW is the best in the world. That's why I want to seize the opportunity in America or AEW and make it even greater organization. Kota Ibushi's a team player. Can you believe we have Jay White and Kota Ibushi? Um, yeah, because we've been talking about it for like the entire year as them being officially signed on. And then Jay White came and we knew that was happening. So when that happened, because I thought that was as equally unlikely of actually happening because yep, WWE was like in hot pursuit of both of them. You know what I mean? So like, they're now company I, guys. You, How cool. That's really neat. Um, so here's my question. WWE specifically, I remember we read a story. They were looking for a Japanese superstar. Do you think they ever got that this year? I believe uh, a couple weeks ago, Nakajima is no longer under contract in pro wrestling, Noah. 
Ooh, he's twenty nine years old. The one they snagged. I, I, I think, I think he's going to WWE over AEW. I do think he's coming to America, but I, I think it's going to be. Um, he's going to go to WWE, and that's a big fucking. That's a big get. And you know what? I, we're seeing more and more over over time. Even though I'm not as in tune with the product as I used to be, we're seeing more and more over time. Guys that go over there, they kind of defy that style. And Ilya Dragunov and, and Gunther are two shining examples. Dragon Lee. Dude, I, I just watched Dragon Lee wrestle a match. It was no different than when he wrestled on Dynamite. It, there, there's no chains. Like, there's nothing pulling him down. He called up the SmackDown or something. Is that even yep. like the He, role he, role he oh, wrestled he really one did. match and they instantly called him up. Oh, that's cool. They're like, yeah, we're not wasting time. I, I think Triple H knows he's not going to waste time with certain people that don't need. No, as long as they can adjust to the style in a match, then absolutely. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. Uh, Nakajima. It sounds like if, if if I was a betting man, he he's the he's the one I'm betting right now that they might be ta- they might be targeting. Um. But yeah, uh, New Japan Super uh, Super Junior Tag League. If you guys remember, if you've been around long enough. Duke and I really covered the Super Junior Tournament this year. It was really fun. It was the first one I've ever really sat and soaked the full one in. And you as well, right? I remember we talked about that. And this was, was the it was first a good, New Japan Tournament I've ever watched. It was a good time. And the Super Junior Tag League's back. It's not a, the combined Tag League anymore. So you guys might be wondering, what are the teams? Um, Yo is with to be announced. So the surprise person is going to be with Yo. Kushida and Kevin Knight, as we know, the time splitters. Uh, Ryusuke Taguchi and the DKC getting the New Japan uh, tournament. El Desperado and Master Wado. It's an incredible team. Doki and Takamichinoku. Bushi and Titan. Robbie Eagles and Kosei Fujita. Uh, Bro, Bushi and Titan is one of the greatest just random pairings they got out of that tournament this year. It's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Ichiban Sweet Boys in Eagles and Fujita. Uh, TJP and Francesco Akira. Clark, the uh, Super Junior Tag Champs, Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney, and then Sho and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Um, if you guys don't, uh, we didn't really talk about the most recent New Japan show in here, but Yoshinobu Kanemaru is no longer in Just Five Guys. Uh, Yuya Uemura, uh, he, he returned from Excursion from Impact. He joined Just Five Guys, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru has joined up with Sho and Evil. I'm totally blanking on their fucking gimmick's name. Uh, House of Torture. So, yeah, New Japan's flowing ever well. Um, sounds like you guys not going to be a junior. So none of the none of the four guys that return from excursions are juniors. So yeah, expect New Japan content. Oh yeah, we'll be talking some New Japan. Um, before we get into some AEW people are not on a contract, let's talk about something really cool here. Kofi Kingston, he opened a library and a computer center in Ghana, and you know Kofi's really really passionate about stuff like this and. Uh, he, he, it's titled Click, and um, he really posted a really like a beautiful Instagram kind of video that he made, and it's just really cool to see you know when wrestlers can do stuff outside of wrestling that impacts you know communities as a whole. And Kofi's such a good guy, so uh, known really... CM Punk friend, see uh, Kofi yeah. Kingston, and um, so I, I'm trying to find the name of it. Of course, I can't. It just looks like it's called Click for Quality Education Foundation. But, um, yeah, other than that, let's get into the meat here of what we want to talk about. 
Hey, yo. VSK is no longer under AEW contract. To me, this one didn't come as like a big surprise. Uh, he lost to Ethan Page on ROH back on September 16th, and that was it. And then he said, don't expect the notes at post. Jeeves is dead. Let's have some fun. That was kind of all he said. Um, so I assume he's going to hit the indies and really get going. And uh, yeah. And, and he, I mean, this is one of those ones where like he could go on a run, right, of actually like really good matches or something and end up back mm-hmm. in AEW or Ring of Honor. So, you know, it's not like it's like it's like one of those ones like uh when when uh Alan Angels left, right? Like he's probably I mean, he probably doesn't look like he's coming back now, but there was a time when he could have, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. And then when I read this in the news on October eleventh, I was shaken to my fucking core. I was heartbroken. If you guys have been followers of this podcast for any number of time, you know Zach Clayton is our fucking guy. Uh, started out as a meme, but it turned into the dream. Zach Clayton, we have a fucking theme song for him. And I'm going to take this moment to play it in honor of Zach Clayton. Zach was last seen in AEW on April 25th, where he defeated Jake Logan. That's a, that's a lot longer ago than I thought. Damn. Yep. That was his last time seen. He defeated Jake Logan, and Dark then goes away. So naturally, you and I, we said, well, he's going to be on Ring of Honor. And it looked like that was going to be the case. Back-to-back weeks, he was booked. He was on a pro, uh, a little, a little, uh, like vignette, like a little video, uh, interview, Jesus. And then the, he was again, the following week he was booked. Then he goes missing for two months. Gets squashed by Dalton Castle. Two months later, he's released. He goes 0-4 in Ring of Honor competition. You know, he tagged with Cole Carter for two weeks. Got his ass kicked. Was sent packing. In AEW. In 2023, he was 4-0 in singles matches. Lost everything else. They'd pair him with random jobbers, random trios, random... I shouldn't say jobbers, you know what I mean? Independent talents. Sometimes he'd even train with Lutheran Serpentico. Didn't matter. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Zach Clayton's a world-class wrestler. Zach Clayton's this, Zach Clayton's that. But, you know, he could clearly talk. It felt like there was some push behind him. And most importantly, something we talk about a lot here, which is why we always bring up the Davinci, the Davinci twins. If people have a following outside of wrestling, the chance that more people will check out wrestling because of them is higher than any other wrestler. And that just goes for, I mean, you could point to Roman Reigns, maybe people will see a TikTok of Roman Reigns and be like, I, whoa, I want to see what he does, you know. Maybe they'll see a TikTok of Kenny Omega and be like, whoa, that guy wrestles? Like, what the? And that's why I've always said, you know, when Xavier Woods, Kenny Omega, and these guys, they break into that gaming scene, right? People will come from that gaming scene, check out what they're doing, and that's how you find new fans. New fans, they don't just, you know, grow on trees, essentially. I mean, they kind of do. Something makes people check wrestling out. Or they're just hanging out with their friend and, you know, they happen to see Seth Rollins turn on the shield and they're like, what the fuck's going on? I don't know who that was. Could have been me. Um, 
But Zach Clayton, I honestly could not tell you what the first wrestling match I ever watched was, or what made me interested in wrestling. Uh, yeah. My dad was into wrestling, so that might be like you know legacy shit. But you know, like, I, yeah, what made me want to watch wrestling? Probably just saw it on TV or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there was a exactly. time when we were like, I mean, I'm sure you remember. You weren't into it at the time, but I'm sure you remember it being as popular as fucking actual sports at one point. You know, because it was as recently as like in the 2000s. Definitely. You know, like so. Like, I, it still is to a point, but like I'd still say, I mean, the, the ratings pan out that the that actual sports is kicking it as its ass at this point. E- so, even yeah. when they started this tag team with Cole Carter, even though they've probably been wrestling the same amount of time, you could run this gimmick of you know the uh, a Mark Davis to a Kyle Fletcher. He's the veteran that takes on the rookie, right? They they started to do something with that, dropped it instantly, and I think with Zach Clayton being on. Uh, MTV's Jersey Shore with his fiance. If people like him, which I know they did because we would follow Zach Clayton and see all the interactions this guy gets outside of wrestling, it just felt like such a missed opportunity. And that's unfortunately. I feel like there was an opportunity with the guy if you had just given him something. I know they did actually try and give him storylines at times and it just never really worked. But like, I feel like if you had just given him a straight up one on one feud that he could have actually sunken his teeth into, he might have been able to work something yeah. out. But more than just the hook squash match, like that's where our yeah. meme spawned from, right? Is Zach Clayton grabbed the mic that rampage, called out hook. And we, our meme came from of who the fuck is Zach Clayton? Because when you guys looked online, because a lot of, like, where it came from, it was a wrestling, uh, uh, like, a, not a podcast necessarily, but a wrestling, like, news site. And they posted, who the fuck is Zach Clayton? And we were like, well, guys, you're, you guys make money to cover this shit, and you don't know who he is? And yet you and I, who do this for fun and because we love it, we're like, we know this guy. We know, like, who See, That's he is. the difference, though. Like, even though you'd think it would make more sense for them to know, like, everything, there's not somebody on staff who that's their job, right? They're, yep. they're all just there to cover what's relevant and what's going to get them the most clicks. I understand that, right? It's it's a business. You're going you're gonna to prioritize the news that people are more likely to give a shit about, so you're not even going to look at parts of the roster that don't matter, right? So... And, and the AEW Dark standby roster, which is where this guy was essentially for a long time. I mean, he wasn't even officially signed for God. Like, I feel like the first like, multiple months we saw until him. Until this right? year. Like, so, yeah, until this yeah, year. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, anyway, so, like, you know, I mean, um, so I don't blame them for not knowing that. But their reaction to it was hilarious because it just exposed them as, like, not actually knowing what the fuck they're talking about. Like, which... Well, I expect us to know that because we're literally like obsessed with this shit, right? Like, but like at the same time, there should be somebody in that office that is. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, at least one person. Yeah, and it just it uh, hire me. It just feels like one of those times where, you know, you could when you have. I people- aggressively remember. I remember wrestlers. You don't even fucking remember because I just happened to notice they did like a flip that was cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know why yeah, it sticks in my it's, brain. It's one of like, those things. And it's just like, I don't know. I just, I wish, I wish they tried and he had the gimmick, the reality. And I'm not saying he's Logan Paul because Logan Paul is clearly much, much more popular, but Logan Paul just won a boxing fight and then called out Rey Mysterio for the United States championship. Are you fucking like how cool is that? That's some Inoki shit, dude. Like that, that is pretty and, cool, actually. You go yeah. and win a shoot fight and then call out the fucking. That's some Antonio Inoki shit. And I, like 
You got fucking respect to the guy. Yeah, for that. bro, he's but, got. He's. You think he's gonna get the title shot, bro? Absolutely. Raymond. You think that was responded. planned? They were like, whether you, like if you win, go out and announce it. Like that's. What I think they said he knew he'd win too. He seems like. Oh yeah, he knew he was gonna win. He was like, hey, if I win this, can I go out and call out the champ and get a title shot? And they're like, fuck yeah, you can, dude. You'll have so much fucking momentum. You think you'll win it? I'm actually curious. I I would put it on him. Bro, I really Logan wouldn't. Paul fucking becomes the fucking United States champion, and then goes and wins a boxing world title. Because too. guess what? Crazy. He can tout that thing around his social media, and you can, you know, Bro, imagine the lead up to an actual boxing world title match. He's gonna get it eventually. Let's be honest. He's yeah. going to. He's gonna get the fight eventually. Some one of them is gonna be like, all right, fine, Logan. You've you've done enough to earn a title shot, you know. And imagine him walking into that with his fake title, bro. Oh my god. It's it's really yeah it's one of those things it's just that uh you know and now oh you're the world champion well I'm champion of the United States yeah and it would bring more eyes to the, it's gonna bring more eyes to that title it's gonna be a cool thing for him when it happens and uh, I uh, I genuinely do wish Zach Clayton the best um he seems like a you know do you think he, this is the kind of guy do you think he's got enough that like somebody like an impact. Or an MLW or would take a shot on this guy, or do you think he's just? I think he's just done with wrestling. Probably. I think knowing like some of the people the the performance center is bringing in, like the Cavender twins, who have big followings. Like again, I'm not saying Zach Clayton. I don't want people to misinterpret me. I, I don't think he's like some fucking A list celebrity. But I mean, I think you could Miz, see him. Was the Miz ever as popular? Of yeah. okay. Here's the thing. Do we... Because I don't actually know. Because what was he on? The real world? What, what was the Miz on? Um, the, yeah, real world. Was that ever as popular as Jersey Shore was? Like, No. But I don't know how okay. popular Jersey Shore family vacation is with his fiance. But uh, yeah, I just... I think... I wouldn't be shocked. I, 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 He seems like the kind of guy that's got a lot of determination to keep this going. And, uh, you know, uh, wish, wish him the best. Uh, yeah, you guys name a podcast that spent more time on Zach Clayton than us. I'll, I'm fucking waiting. <laughs> but the last little bit of news is the thing you teased up at the beginning. Uh, AEW, CMLL, uh, they're going to be working together in the future. And it kicks off with uh, Rampage uh, next week where Mystico is going to be wrestling Rocky Romero on Rampage. And this guy is the most popular wrestler in Mexico. He's Mexico's pound for pound crown, you name it. And CMLL. They put out an official statement. It is in Spanish, and I have no way of translating it. But they put out an official statement, and uh, Tony Khan wrote that this is really cool. He's excited for working that they're working with AEW. And on the same night, a AAA talent is booked. So I think that is very, very cool. And, you know, we've always joked that – not even joked. It became real when, when Tony opened up about his Lucha background of how much this guy cares about Lucha Libre wrestling and the fact that he's really trying to bring it to that next level in America on national TV. It's, it's beyond typical. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, I think it's going to be really cool. Mystico is awesome. I, I haven't seen much of his work. I know he's the former Sin Cara, I guess at some point, but, uh, he's the NWA world historic middleweight champion right now. And yeah. I am uh, very much looking forward I to I do this. know that one of the Sinkaras was actually a really good wrestler. And I think there was just some sort of, like, like I think it was like a backstage fight or some scandal or something like that with them. And then that's what got him put, booted out of WWE um, as the original Sinkara or whatever or something like that. But Okay. 
I mean, I'll have yeah, to look into what the reasoning was because I do know there was like some. There was like sixteen cars or something. I feel like, or but like you know, like um. But we never actually, I don't know how many people actually knew that, but I did hear somebody say that once in an interview that there was more than one scene car. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, when I was reading about him this weekend, I, I, I mean, all accounts, he seems like a, a living legend in Mexico. So I'm very excited to see what he does. And I, uh, I could absolutely see a living legend in Mexico getting politicked out of WWE. That seems like something that would absolutely have happened back then, you know? Yeah. Uh, now, are they going to book him against a current, Sign talent like Andrade. I don't think so. Or or like uh, QT Marshall. I don't think we're going to see Mystico and, and QT Marshall booked against each other. But I think they can be booked on the same card. Now, can he face Roosh or Bandito, who are no longer under contract, but I don't know what the technicalities of those are. Can he face Commander? I don't know. That's a wait and see thing, but this is something to be optimistic about for the future of AEW. That being said, let's jump into our results today, and uh, we got some uh, some good results to get for you. We're, we like to kick off with Ring of Honor, and then we're going to go Dynamite Rampage Collision. So uh, Duke's going to be taking the lead here, and uh, what do we got this week on Ring of Honor Watch ROH episode 33, Ring of Con! Alright, um, Serpentico was backstage, and uh, said he was going to last 10 minutes with Eddie Kingston. Ayo. Um, anyway. Speaking of which, Eddie Kingston versus Serpentico. Uh, can he last 10 minutes? No. Um, shock of the world. Um, we had a World Championship Proving Out match to open up the show here. Very quick uh, into the like head drops here, so I knew we weren't going the distance here, so that made sense. Picked up the one with a quick stretch plum, left it on for a bit, and then Helico was like, bro, the fuck? What are you doing, bro? And he's like, uh, yo, I I wanna I wanna pull the code of honor. He's like, all right, all right, like you stay back, you son of a bitch. How dare you attack my friend? You know, and it's like, oh, we, okay, I guess we're getting Eddie Kingston versus Helico. That'll probably get some more time than this, I'm guessing. Uh, you know, uh, this Eddie Kingston Tyler ring continuing to get more and more interesting over time. Let's see where it goes. Um, the Gates of Agony got a little squashy, bud. Uh, they beat the piss out of some guys. Uh, then Khan hit like this lariat that was like actual murder. I think Charlie. I think he killed the guy. Um, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Toa continues to be a menace to society. Um, we had Daga backstage with Dasha, uh, who I liked. I like that we had the little Latin flavor backstage with Dasha. That I, I I like that we always get that little Latin flavor with Dasha. But I like that they throw her back as an interviewer sometimes because it's just cool. You know, what I mean, fuck it. Might as well get the you know get the miles out of these people backstage if they're going to be there anyway. So fuck it, right? Um, and yeah, and Daga was just like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna win the AAA Latin American Championship tonight. Uh, QT's a bitch, basically. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's kind of what he said. I mean, that's kind of what everybody says when they talk about QT, so, you know. Um, but, you know, except... <laughs> it's true, though. You know, they don't like him. He's got... He's smelly or something. I don't know. I don't seen, know. Uh, dog booked on uh, AEW, or, well, I guess Ring of Honor. Ring of God! Anyway, um, yeah, cool. Daga, interesting. I like, the, like I said, this is obviously probably indicative of, like, that sort of relationship that they have with the, you know... Uh, Latin American promotions, you know? So, there you go. Perfect example of you know, Daga. Or various others who we'll probably see throughout this show. Athena took on Maserati for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship in a proving ground match. Um, I, I think I remember uh, having pointed out that Maserati was pretty good a couple of different times. 
Um, they didn't really give her a lot of time here, obviously. Uh, but she, uh, she, you know, there was a drop kick of doom at one point. Uh, Athena forty, you know, in Ring of Honor, bro. What the fuck? That, I didn't even realize it had gotten that crazy. Forty, you know, insane. But bro, so Athena deserved. might be the greatest Ring of Honor wrestler of all time. Like, holy shit, bro, that's crazy. Athena, Athena, the goat. Um. There was also this brutal powerbomb spot on the outside, bro. I saw a gif of this on Twitter afterward, and bro, she is... Is Athena okay? <laughs> what? Athena, you good? <laughs> like, Absolute <laughs> menace. Yeah, and she locked in the... Uh, does her fucking submission have a name? Am I just, like, fucking blanking? I actually don't know. It's like the crossface. That's usually what I call it. But yeah. Whatever. She she locks in the crossface, uh, you know. Oh, she also kicked her in the spine, dude. Dude, she was... N- Somebody pissed in her fucking cereal this morning, bro. It was not good. <laughs> it was it was yes. bad for Maserati. Not good. Um, Yeah, anyway. Uh, Jesus Christ, I just accidentally typed something in my notes. Oh, my God. Well, hopefully that wasn't important. Whatever, I just deleted it. All right, anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Anyway, yeah, she, she locked back that submission. We had Lee Johnson backstage, uh, and he finally got the offer from Shane Taylor Promotions. So hopefully he takes it, but also it could be a feud. I think I've been saying this for a while. So um, QT Marshall took on Daga for the AAA Latin American Championship. Uh, he got a little promo. He was just like being actually. Let me bring up the the thing here because I'm sure they they noted down what he actually said. Um, I honestly was kind of like in and out attention wise during uh throughout this show. Like I was watching it, but I was like, I don't know. I was. Wrestling was like a half a pay attention to me for some of this week. Um, yeah. Uh, he called himself the greatest luchador of all time, and then the crowd started chanting Culero at him. Um, and he asked Daga to translate, and he said, uh, they're calling you an asshole. And he hit him with a punch immediately after, so that was pretty fun. Um, Daga did put a little bit of good stuff in there. I did actually like what I saw from him, so, um, you know, it's another one of those ones. Put him on the list, put, you know, bring him back to Ring of Honor potentially, you know. Um, yeah, it's really cool to see him booked. I, I, uh, that was neat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, buh, 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 buh. Yeah, oh, you know what? And, um, yeah, and I also thought that he, when he hit that punch, he either has really clean punches or he just potatoed the shit out of QT on that spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which either way, respect. You know what I mean? Um, but I think he could fit the Lucha vibes of the current Ring of Honor for sure. Um, and they hit a nice little power bomb. What do they call that? The dirt sheet driver? Is that what he uses? What he calls it? Yeah. Um, they hit that nice little dirt sheet driver for the W. And, uh, Dalton Castle had a video package. Um, give my man something to do, please. My man's is just out here making weird video packages that don't even make sense. Like, come on, man. Don't let Dalton Castle just chill out there in the void. Anyway. Shane Taylor promotions took on the infantry. Infantry were selling like fishes. Carly Bravo is, like, still Charlie, and I don't know how this continues to be the case. Every fucking match, he impresses me somehow. I don't know what it is. He just has – maybe he's got that it factor, dude. Maybe he got just – maybe, yeah. maybe he's it. I don't know. Um, He also had a really good sequence – attack sequence in this match. Um, And then uh, Shane Taylor absolutely jawed the shit out of Sean Dean, and that was the end of the match. <laughs> Oh, no, I think they did some more after that. But, dude, Shane killed. What did Sean do? Hasn't I said something about this before? What did Sean Dean do to Shane Taylor? 
What happened? He pissed him off in a past life. That's all I know. He doesn't deserve that. Anyway. Um, but yeah. Oh, no, I was right. He actually did that. He did kill him with that. Uh, it was Bravo as well. Basically, Shane Taylor uh, won on a murder spree at the end. And, uh, you know, you really should you be, should you be surprised. Shane Taylor is a fucking, he is a meat man. You gotta the do what you gotta do. was flying. If you're Shane right, Taylor. Um, do what? I said, if you're Shane Taylor, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, we had Billy Starks backstage uh, with Lexi. And then uh, she uh, was like, getting, like, Lexi was like, you kind of suck. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, why are you so bad at your job? And then fucking the badass Latinas fucking came out of nowhere and fucking robbed her ass, bro. What the fuck? <laughs> Had to do it to her. <laughs> the fuck, man? Yeah. That was pretty good. I, I, I didn't expect to see a fucking robbery. I mean, I guess I've never really thought. I I can't think of any time I've actually seen that in a wrestling segment. So you know what? Why not? Right? Fuck it, you know? Um. So yeah, we had Angelico take on Marty Cassius, who apparently was the Moth Martinez in Lucha Underground. No idea, but respect, you know what I mean? Um... Yeah, he smacked his own head into the turnbuckle, which I thought was fucking ludicrous. Um... But hey, whatever. Uh, he seemed like he had like a whole ass thing going on. Like you know how sometimes when a wrestler is like jobbing out, but like they still get to do their whole gimmick and they don't have to like just like kind of just take the offense. I feel like there was that going on there, and I just I didn't understand it. So, but I'm sure there's something if you know if you know this guy from a different promotion, it probably made more sense. You know what I mean? But I just don't know the context. Um, he picked up the one with the Navarro death roll. Lady Frost took on Mercedes Martinez. Super, uh, super aggressive heel style wrestling. Um, Lady Frost still impressing me every time again. Um, and then Mercedes hit a like cool looking finishing move. I um, listen like there's a lot of Ring of Honor right now that is just very like oh this is happening and I really don't know what to say about a lot of it because it's like okay. Some of this is going to like need to marinate for a while because there's just not enough pay-per-views for Ring of Honor for them to like really, really do significant television feuds that aren't like more than a few weeks, I feel like, you know, like, um, which kind of limits what they can do. I, I don't know how to solve that. Like, do you have any ideas? Like, I don't have any idea how you make the, the Ring of Honor television feel like it's more important, you know, like, yeah. I truly no idea. I mean, I feel like we've done everything, right? We've given Athena the the keys to the castle, right? She runs the show now. It feels like not really, but like she's like the through line of the show, and that's good. But we still need other people to step up. We're getting there with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, but those are slow burns, right? They're not going to be there right away. So we need somebody else that's going to step up here, and I'm not sure who it's going to be. So what? Yeah, is it Josh Woods? Possibly. Could be. Could be. He was backstage, and uh, Pat Buck was like, you know, uh, you know, uh, why are you such a bitch, basically? And he's like, uh, fuck you, I'll fight you. And he's like, all right, fine, we'll fight. So they're going to fight next week. Um, I forget what the premise was, but it was basically like, I feel like he was going to give him, like, yeah, like, okay. Oh, yeah, he was going to have him be his coach, which immediately I was like, fucking, what are we, what are we doing here? Mark Sterling, like, what? Like, and then, like, 
it, to me, okay, so this is, <laughs> I'll actually talk about this. Mark Sterling was backstage, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm giving you a new coach and Pat Buck. And in my head, I'm like, what? what is going on? Like, this is one of those faded ass fucking Mark Sterling segments that he thinks is great, but nobody else understands. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, no one else is going to buy into it. Yeah, yeah, literally. I mean, we've seen like a million segments like this. Why he got taken away from Jade, let's be honest, right? Like, um, <clears throat> that being said, though, um, Woods was like, I don't need that shit. And then Buck was like, well, fuck you. Then they said they would fight. So that's why I said he was basically like, you're a bitch. Because he's like, well, I don't need you. Yeah. Uh, we had Will Nightingale uh, taking on and defeating Leah, Layla Hirsch. Layla. Um, yeah, I guess probably Layla shouldn't win this match, especially because, like, it seems like the story they're going with is that she's just refusing to accept that she needs help and she's going to have to at some point. I don't know, like, where it's actually going to go. Um, yeah. if she's going to, like, get stronger. I, it could be because you could go two ways with it, right? Either she chooses to do it, right? And she goes and she joins up with them and then they do whatever they do there, right? Or she chooses not to and becomes stronger through that process. That's another way you could go with it, I guess. I mean, there's obviously a million different ways you could go with anything ever. But, I mean, just, like, that's one, that's one path that comes to mind for me is, like, you know, like, paths of least resistance, if that makes sense. Um, and, uh, you know, something about some matches with Layla just doesn't, I feel like, work. And I don't know what it is. Um... I don't know what it was. Something about like the energy, lack of chemistry, timing. I don't know what it was. This match just didn't really come together for me. Um, <clears throat> and it does seem like they've kind of stalled the Layla push a little bit. Like It seemed oh, like they were definitely. really going heavily into it when she came back. And then they kind of have pulled back on that a little bit. Um, she yeah, did a post-match. Felt stalled to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. And then... There was like a little bit of a post-match beatdown, and then Sky Blue came out. Sky Blue, by the way, slowly over the course of time has been looking more and more like possessed. Don't know if that's ever going to go anywhere, by the way, because they've done this a couple times at the House of Black, where somebody gets misted and they start acting a little bit sus, and then they don't actually end up doing anything with it. So don't get you know don't get too excited, you know, because it doesn't mean shit. Sky Blue Dark. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what you'd do with that, right? Because you're basically just running back the same story you did with, you know, with originally with um with Julia Hart, right? So it's like I I don't even know is that worth doing again? Should you have gone a different direction? Cause like I I feel like there's this idea that factions have to keep expanding, but like do you remember how ridiculous the Bullet Club was at points in Japan, you know, like it was absolutely asinine at some points. And, like, half the people weren't even useful members, and they didn't do anything. They just were there to be yep. filler when there's not actual Bullet Club members on the show. You know what I mean? Like, anyway. But, you know, that Ring of Honor has been kind of in a weird state for a little while, so, you know, they're still trying to figure it out. Uh, Gringo Loco took on Action Andretti. There was some quick back-and-forth pin trades to start it off. Um, with like a wrist into a hammerlock sort of stuff going on as well. They're just doing some interesting stuff. And Andretti's got a lot of potential, I still feel. Um, it was like a battle of the flippy dudes. Um, they did a nice Frankensteiner and set up for like a split legged mood salt. It was good stuff. Um, and let me just check the result here because I don't have it written down. Um, Andretti makes sense. Andretti, you know, Loco is, I feel like, very much not winning matches because, um, I don't know what they're going to do with Loco, actually. I do like the pickup. I think it was smart, right, to bring in Loco. 
still need to figure out what to do with him, I think, because yeah, he's he just has kind of matches. A, yeah, he's just kind of a mid card guy, I think. Just, you know, okay. uh, a name we could look forward and, and a, could bring someone we could look forward to seeing. Potentially beat Joe and be like a TV title holder or Potentially, something. absolutely. He absolutely. Or maybe, could. maybe not him, maybe not Joe. Maybe he needs to be somebody else for Joe, but like somebody who Joe beats. Or sorry, beats Joe, I mean, potentially. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Let's see. There might be something else for him to do. I don't think he fits. I would say like pure, but I don't think he really fits the pure title division. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, Ali, Ali Ethan Page was backstage talking about for, uh, facing a former Ring of Honor champion and Christopher Daniels. Basically putting over Christopher Daniels. Makes sense, you know, you want to put over your opponent. Talk about this all the time. Um, a wrestling promo where you talk complete, absolute dog shit about your opponent and you don't actually say anything good about them is you're who what the fuck are you beating then you know like so you got to build yeah. up your opponent um and like if you say oh you're the worst wrestler ever and i'm the best wrestler ever so you're gonna be a, a breeze and okay then it was a breeze and now if you lose you look like an idiot you know like so anyway um but yeah speaking of looking like an idiot no i'm just kidding imagine imagine no I mean, Kip did wear that fucking stupid-ass <laughs> fucking bag on his head for a while, so, you know. True. Anyway, uh, Kip Sabian took on Anthony Henry, which on paper is an awesome match, but, like, bro, they had no time. I don't know why, but, like... Uh, wait, did I miss something here? Oh, I did. Sorry, I skipped the match. My bad. Um, rolled it back. <laughs> Billy Starks took on Ro- Rochelle Riveter. Um... So, uh, Billy Starks, uh, has a finisher that's called the star 10, which is a, I did not know that's what it was called. Um, she basically picked up the one with that in the crossway. She's starting to look more and more aggressive. I guess they're slowly turning her heel. I, I didn't think that was the direction they were to go with it, but I mean, I guess with Athena, I mean, I guess you don't really want to turn Athena face because I mean, let me think. But yeah, Joe's a heel. So I mean, the, I, there are heel champions. They just got rid of, you know, the trios champions as being. You know what's a big thing that I am actually super disappointed by that I wasn't even realizing until I'm talking about this now, Charlie? We have had no fucking hit sign of the elite on this show at all. No sign of the elite? Adam Cole and MGF haven't been on? And How are you uh, going to put your titles on important stars like that and then not feature it, them on the show? Couldn't agree more. It makes zero fucking sense to me. Uh, oh well. I think that's my biggest problem with Ring of Honor right now, if I really had to, to break it down. Although I like that stars like Billy, you know, are getting an opportunity. But they are just doing what we feared, Charlie. They're treating it like it's dark. And that's like kind of sucks, you know? Yeah, it's it's a fundamental issue. If you're going to put these titles on people, you got to put them on people. Yeah. It's just, you know. Oh, yeah. well. We'll skip over the Billy and Kip Sabian and Anthony Henry match because they, they they don't matter because nobody they're not going to do anything with these people. They're just I mean, Billy will probably get a push, but she'll probably end up breaking up with Athena at some point when they have a match. You know what I mean? I mean, realistically, it's going to take something drastic changing in Ring of Honor for some of these people to get opportunities, and yeah. we've witnessed that, right? Like, um there was nobody that they wanted to put those trio titles on. There have been probably 30 wrestlers that were in the mid card of ring of honor in the last year, right. That you could have picked from any trio. You know what I mean? And none of them were good enough to beat them. They had to bring in an AW trio to win the trios titles off of the gates. You know what I mean? Like 
so the, Ring of Honor needs to get its shit together. Let's be real. Um, uh, we had a uh, after those two matches, which I did actually, by the way, like both matches. I just, I don't know, man. Like, I just, it's annoying as shit knowing that Kip Sabian and, and, and Anthony Henry can get a match and go out there and have a fun match. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's not going to mean shit to anybody backstage. You know what I mean? Like, because they're not the ones that they want to push right now. You know, I don't know. Uh, Cole Carter and Griff were backstage uh, attempting to get on the same page. And I did not intend for that to rhyme like that, but it did. Um, and then we had Ethan Page um, taking on Christopher Daniels. And uh, I, I got, fuck, man, I feel really bad for like constantly shitting on Christopher Daniels. But like, I, I feel like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, yeah. Cause he's a, it's cause he's a legend. It hurts, but yeah, and I respect the shit out of him. Like he's done a lot more in wrestling than I'll ever do. You know, like actually, he's done a fuck ton more in wrestling than I'll ever do. You know, he's had a twenty year career. Like, yeah, um, I do appreciate that he was getting given his flowers during this, though. So, uh, Ethan Page also. Then I think Smart Mark Sterling came down after he picked up the win. Um. And he got challenged by Mark Sterling. Yeah, Mark. Uh, yeah, Smart Mark Sterling came down and made a challenge to uh, to Ethan Page. Um, I'm liking more and more what Ethan Page is doing in Ring of Honor. Yeah, no, interesting. Oh yeah, he's challenged by Tony Nese. I was trying to clarify. I was like, wait, did he just like throw a random match together? Yeah. So Tony Nese. So I've also complained about Tony Nese not really having anything. If that's going to be Ethan Page's first actual storyline in this company, Ring of Honor, that is in, in Ring of Honor. Okay, give yeah. Tony Nese the opportunity to prove me wrong, you know? Um, but yeah, Christopher Daniels gets given the nod here. And then our main event, Darius Martin took on Scorpio Sky. And uh, Scorpio Sky, another thing, like a similar thing, you know? Um, by the way, I love, uh, I gotta give a shout out to Caprice on the commentary here. He did some really great uh, parallels uh, between the two. I I hadn't really realized how similar of a situation um, you know, Scorpio Sky and Darius Martin were to each other. And I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. I love it when they draw parallels, you know, um, between like one wrestler and another based on various things in their career that happen to line up. I just think that's interesting, you know? Um, Scorpio Sky had this backbreaker of death. It was insane. Um, so far, Scorpio and Ethan, I, I think, is working, like you were saying. Um, he picked up the win off of the TKO. He had a sky high at one point. It's pretty much, you know, like kind of a squash on Darius. Not really, because Darius is obviously treated like, you know, legit. But it wasn't like, you know, it was a Ring of Honor match. Like, I think that's a good way to put it, you know. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I'd, I didn't really care about Ring of Honor this week. I'll be completely honest with you. It was it was fine. It wasn't. Um, yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. It's it's not must watch. I mean, you know what I mean. At the end of the day, it's not must watch. It should be though, because you have like Ethan or Ethan. Yeah. Right? Well, you have Ethan. Let's be real. Let, let's talk about the big stars there right now. You have Athena, who's probably the best women's wrestler across both companies. Um, AEW and Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you have uh, now Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, who are mid carders on AEW, admittedly, right in the singles division. However, one of them has been a world champion before, so whatever. Um, and then you have, oh yeah, e- MJF and Adam Cole as your tag champions, and oh yeah, the Elite as your trios champions. Yeah, the Elite should be 
the, the, uh, honestly, we should be wanting to tune in for all of that. And you know what? They don't put them on the show, and it makes no one really fucking care. So, oh yeah, yeah and fucking Eddie Kingston as your world champion. My bad. Unreal and Shibata. I mean, you name it, Samoa Joe. They have incredible champions. But uh, clearly, that's not the problem, which sucks. All right, um, AW Dynamite, right? I have titled Tuesday Dynamite. We opened up with a cold Christian Cage uh, thing where he pretty much goes, lost full uh, NXT, you mean? 100%. And he goes, uh, he's in the truck saying it's fitting. The biggest episode of Dynamite comes on the air with the biggest star of the company. He still holds a grudge over Swerve for costing them their match at Wembley. While a little birdie told him Brian Danielson fancies himself as the best wrestler in the world. Cage's TNT title says otherwise. For Luchasaurus versus Adam Copeland tonight. Cage might have to elaborate on the three words he left Copeland hanging on last week. Cage took credit for the first 30 minutes of Dynamite being commercial free. We talked about the number one match, which we've already gone on to. Uh, we then closed that match with a video package of Samoa Joe. He's the current ROH TV champion and a soon-to-be AEW world champion. Uh, he said Collision begins his road to gold and why he is violence manifested. He begins his ascension toward greatness this Saturday. Clean, cut, simple. Let's, uh, let's, let's, if, if this is his end goal, right? Let's just have someone on Ring of Honor win that title off him. Let's have Ethan it's Page. It's ludicrous win. that I, I'm pretty sure his entire time in WWE, they never did anything like this, you know, like, yeah. which is crazy. Like, Joe's awesome. He's awesome. Powerhouse Hobbs absolutely fucked Chris Jericho. Hey, yo. He uh, broke his back six times. Uh, he gave him a lot of good thrusts and the utter destruction. Yo! Was, uh, annihilated. Jericho was borderline cream pied here, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, this, this was an absolute ass kicking. And Powerhouse Hobbs has been put on display as the ultimate badass that he deserves to. I almost made this as my favorite out of principle, but I didn't. Um, because it wasn't really a match, and we had so many great matches, so I was like, ah, fuck it, I won't. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is the definition of a squash match. Powerhouse Hobbs squash Chris Jericho. Uh, how, how do you feel about this? Now that we have Powerhouse Hobbs has ascended to greatness, essentially. What's Adam, that in the background? <laughs> Adam Cole is shown mowing the lawn with, uh, Roderick Strong in the kingdom. Uh, he's cutting grass on one leg. He finished that he needs to go change. Strong said he had something for Cole. Hey, yo, he said what? He's got a neck strong shirt. Cole asked Taven why he had a stuffed giraffe. Taven said, the giraffe had the strongest neck. Cole wanted to watch Dynamite, but Strong said TV is the devil. <laughs> Cole said he's going to get surgery on his ankle, but Strong needed one more thing, which we didn't find out what it was. We talked about OC and Ray Phoenix. Um, really, side note here: uh, the match. I forgot to mention this: the match with Mystico, Mystico, however it's pronounced, and Rocky Romero on Rampage. They they said they're going to make it an authentic Arena Mexico CMLL style match with the Arena Mexico video footage and presented with Arena Mexico music. So I saw a lot of people getting excited about that. Maybe this Does that mean all... we're going to have a fucking single hard cam for the whole match? <laughs> Imagine. Hard cam from the fucking south, the south side of the arena, right? So, <laughs> just 
fuck it. Um, that'd be pretty cool, actually. Uh, I am fuck. I had something I want to say about that match. Maybe maybe this all ends up leading to maybe one of the end games here is in 2024. AW wants to run a pay per view in Mexico, and I think that would be fucking fantastic. I think it could be huge. I think he implied something like that's in the works at one of the um, uh, media scrums, did he not? I'd love it if in 2024 we got pay-per-views in London, America, Canada, Mexico, and maybe even dip our toes somewhere else and see how it goes for a show. Australia? (sighs) That's the money machine right there. Uh, there, there, There's going to be some business there. I know WWE's running a big show there uh, this year, so... No, next year. I think it's May. But you know where AEW really needs to go, let's be honest. They've established their relationship. We need an AEW show in Japan. Yeah, I think that'd be big. Uh, that, that, would, that would be the one, right? Um, RJ Stady's with Timeless Tony Storm, and she does a little silent picture in the picture-in-picture. Picture. So I, I, the way I interpreted this was kind of the new Sammy Guevara, you know, cardboard thing which we end up getting later in the show anyways from Takeshita but this is uh something new for Tony to do while her gimmicks all the talk Wardlow defeats Matt Seidel another much you just ran through the crowd Renee checks on Jericho backstage Danny Garcia's wanting to see how he feels Matt Menard stops him says they're better than this do those guys have any direction no they don't even have a name yeah it's really rough. Uh, those guys are just running amok right now. Poor da- Danny Garcia is probably getting pissed. I kind of regret being your champion of breaking that group up now because now none of them have a direction at all, and it sucks because Danny Garcia is one of the best young talents in the company. You know, like how cool would it be if Danny was on that uh, a Super Junior Tag League? I think Daniel Garcia was the one in the Devil Mask. That'd be neat. That'd be neat. Uh, Switchblade Jay White defeats Hangman Adam Page. This was a very long match. This felt long. Um, and there was a little shenanigans afoot towards the end. So Swerve and uh, Hangman still fucking with each other, making them lose matches. I kind of like that. And uh, Jay White with his triple B uh, gets the big victory set because he's not going to lose before full gear. And this is, is a high stakes match. It's a high talent match. It's one of our top baby faces against one of our top uh, heels. And I thought it was very good. I thought it was very enjoyable, actually, all in the long run here. Um, Paige hit a really clean buckshot. You know, White's hitting his beautiful blade runners. Distractions are being hit. Um, and uh, Jay White won with a schoolboy. Stole the victory. Post-match, we had MJF coming to the stage. He demanded, uh, Jay White, give me back the triple B. He said, he Bro, wants to I hear- love the way I typed that in my notes, by the way. Nana gets his revengeance. That's fucking brilliant. Yes, yes. Uh, MJF came to the stage. He's like, yeah, I want the Triple B back. And every time he says that, if you guys notice this, every single time he says Triple B, someone on commentary has to clarify what it is. And it's it's an ongoing bit, but it's kind of funny. And so that time, both Taz and Excalibur clarified it. (laughs) It's like, oh, shit, someone forgot it was the other person's turn is what I'm guessing. Um. Jay White says, no one wants to hear from MJF anymore. Fans want to hear from J-A-Y White. The crowd uh, told Jay to shut the fuck up. He's going to, uh, said he's going to give the belt back since the crowd is so rude. He's not going to. MJF said he knows White better than he does himself. He's similar to who MJF used to be. 
White doesn't care about the Robinson and guns as he's using them. It's right out of the MJF playbook. You know, I actually don't think he's using them. You? I, I actually think Bullet Club Bullets I mean, has I think a very ultimately at the end of the day, if you're the leader of a heel faction, you technically kind of are. However, I think that's kind of the whole point. Like, the JAS was never really, I mean, yeah, they were heels, but, like, from the perspective of the people in it, it was never, like, a heat. They, they weren't being abused. But yeah. if you just take the words of uh, describing it and frame it in a certain way, everything can be framed that way in wrestling. Even people that are baby faces, a lot of times, they're doing sort of semi-duplicitous shit half the time, right? So, like, it's... Especially in AEW, they ride that sort of the tweener line a lot, like harder than some people in WWE tend to, you know. Like, so I don't know. Um, Jay yeah. White kind of feels like the Tywin Lannister of the group. Like he's gonna, he's gonna lead the army, him, you know. But I mean, I don't think that's how they see it. Maybe the guns could see it that way because they were kind of just roped into it. But I'm, I'm not sure that um, yeah. Juice would see it that way. But I don't know. Um. He said he's trying to be a better man for the first time in his life. He's not waking up and punching a mirror, and he has earned the fans' respect. Two things he cares about, Adam Cole and the AEW title, his legacy. MGF knows White is next level, but that day is not today, and demanded White give back what he didn't earn. That sent Juice Robinson into convulsions. Um, White said, you have to earn the title back, bro, which he can, at full gear. Jay White said MGF could just come and take the belt, but he has no friends. Juice brings up the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royale next week, which, funny enough, commentary didn't mention yet. Uh, again, I think they had a little thing after. They were like, oh, thank you, Juice, for bringing that up for us. Uh, it was almost like they meant to say it earlier on. I don't know. It was really random. Maybe they did on YouTube or something, right? Because apparently they announced the uh, Orange Cassidy thing on YouTube as well, uh, where Orange was facing Bray instead of uh, Moxley. Um, he enters the match. They're taking MJF's precious diamond ring. He's going to take everything he wants from him. He, he says, I also got a present for you. He brings out a roll of quarters. He said, he's going to break MJF's jaw next week. MJF storms off. He slams the mic. Yo, piece of shit. He said shit like four times, by the way. Not that it really matters, but I feel like we don't get that anymore. Uh, he usually, compared to what, what he used to say, they definitely toned that down. But I think for this show, they were like, now nah, we're letting him rip. Uh, he storms off. Commentary brings up how MJF was bullied as a child and said uh, Robinson went too far. They said, uh, yeah. They they were just pretty much saying uh, MJF is, uh, you know, how dare they bring up the dark the dark past of MJF. And yeah, um, I think Juice Robinson now is in a spot where I, I would actually like to see. I don't think MJF needs to win this thing five times in a row. Okay. I think someone like Juice Robinson winning this, it's not like a winning a world title match, but you know what? Winning the fucking Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale would actually be pretty big for Juice's career in the long runs of finally winning it's something It's inherently a heel gimmick, right? It's not yes. something that MJF should be winning with right now, right? And it also takes away the temptation for them to tease it every time him and Adam Cole have a match, you know? So. Yep. Maybe. And they don't need that anyway. You just hit him with the bell, right? So, I mean, Roddy you know. can win this thing. There I mean, there's, there's options, right? You got options. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love how we're setting up the full gear main event this early. I mean, this this is... When these guys eventually fight, it's really going to feel worth it. And um, 
I really hope this is something AEW's learned from. And, you know, we're not booking pay-per-views. And we got a solid, like, three and a half weeks, right? Or something like that till till pay-per-view. So we got... Still, still over a month from today. It's November Isn't 18th. Isn't it November 18th? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah, we've got a little bit of a month, like, about a month, you know? So they got time to build this up. This is going to marinate nicely, and they can get a lot of good promo segments. I hope it doesn't go the way of other times when they've announced the main event this far out, where, like, we just go two weeks without hearing anything from either side, which could yeah. happen. I think Isn't we have AEW. five dynamites in between as we're recording this and the pay-per-view. So, and there could be three without a single real progression of the yeah. story, which is That's frustrating as hell. At least if we're not going to do it on dynamite, do it on collision, right? Um, we got another act two of the timeless Tony Storm silent film Lover's Lament. And now we have... You know, My only problem with those Lover's Lament segments is I feel like they should have put in, like, title cards, like, to make it a little more authentic to the whole silent movie thing. I know they're, like, in between segments, but if you had, like, a little text that popped up on the screen that, like, told you what was going on, like, I don't know that that would be a problem and make the segments a little bit more coherent, but maybe that's not the idea. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe we end up seeing, if, if come next week or come this week, we see Tony, you know, having title cards on it. Maybe they even they thought the same thing. They're like, oh, let's add a little, uh, let's add something for them to, to to keep their eyes glued to the screen instead of watching the Domino's commercial, you know. Um, Hikaru Shida has defeated Soraya to win the AEW Women's Title. Uh, the way I saw people celebrating on Twitter at, at over this, it was like Yub Nub all over again. <laughs> uh, a lot of people didn't like Soraya's World Champion. I, um, you guys know how I feel. I thought it was fine for what it was, but it I felt she had like a few good matches. I wish she had been on TV. It just it felt like it. It felt like the world title was was absent, bro. I'm gonna be honest with 100%. you. 100. percent It really did. And um, I think her winning it was a moment that was it was a big moment for her and for the title. But I don't think that. You know, we're going to look back on the future as, oh, she was such a great champion. Now, Hikaru Shida is a three-time champion. I saw a lot of people, you know, whenever they'd shit talk Soraya, they'd be like, oh, your champion can't even take a German suplex, for example. She took a German suplex, and they did it perfectly fine. She does all these super protected moves, and she still makes it look good because at the end of the day, she is a wrestler. And um, I think, without a shadow of a doubt, this is the right call. I wasn't sure they'd do it, and um, honestly, if if we had a show last week and we did predictions, I I honestly probably would have picked Soraya to retain. But 100% the right call. Soraya got in there with Tony Storm, or uh, or Tony Storm got in there with Ruby Soho. They did some shenanigans, and all in all, I think they booked this match around the positives of each wrestler, and it came out looking like a fun little match. Sometimes, like we'd see them do often with a lot of those Jade matches. They book hoping, around what they know they can do and make it work. I'm hoping and, we uh, do what we didn't do last time with Sheeta's title reign and we just kick it into full gear and we have like a Orange Cassidy style title reign. Maybe not one where she's getting injured, right? But like a similar story where she's just having match after match after match after match and just, you know, having a really exciting title reign. Maybe it ends suddenly and that'd be kind of cool too. Yeah. And I would be very happy with. Uh, I lost my fucking train of thought again. God, man, I suck. Um, <laughs> you know, is are they going to run her and Tony? I don't know. Are they going to run her and, you know, ex-wrestler? I don't know. We'll have to find out. 
and um maybe because we don't really have a direction for either right now per se you just run no titles on the line chris statland reverser at the t- at full gear you know uh champion versus champion for bragging rights or something i don't know you know what i've never done that so just sheeta versus athena she's 40 on ring of honor that's enough to earn a title shot like if that isn't i don't know what is right and so. Athena losing her first match in like two years or something like that to like not two years but like you know six eight months whatever it is to in a world title match for a different title in AEW I feel like that's you could you could have you could have Billy Starks cost it for and maybe get more eyes on that program. There's options here. There's a lot of options. You could have someone help she to retain. No, that's what you do. You have Athena try and cheat to win, and then Billy Starks prevents it. Really cool stuff. Um, Saray's title reign. 44 days. This is the second shortest following our Sheeta 25-day title reign, which is the shortest. She won it, of course, at Wembley in the four-way against Sheeta, Britt Baker, and Tony Storm. Uh, Tony, uh, she defended the belt a month later at Dynamite 207 Grand Slam against Tony Storm. And, you know, our main complaint about this was it just felt like the title was, was non-existent. And then she defends it three weeks later and loses it. Um... But yeah, I uh, I think I'm I'm happy at the end of the day she got a title run. I don't know if we needed to get another one, but um, I think wherever she goes now, it she will always have been a champion, and that's something we can look forward to. Now, whether you know who knows what happens with this title next, whether it's Mariah May, maybe she comes in with this new Tony Storm gimmick, right? Whether it's Mercedes, we got Jamie Hader out there. We got a lot of options, and uh, it's something just to look forward to for the next week. Um, yeah, and after that, uh, Excalibur informs us Jericho was taken to a medical facility due to his injuries from Powerhouse Hobbs. Giovanni said, then said 50,000 AEW toys, $1 million will be donated to, donated to toys for our tots. Don Callis said he requested 10 minutes to talk about what happened tonight. Well, since he's been denied, he did a picture in picture with Takeshita and, you know, they're doing Sammy's sign gimmick. Pretty much held up signs saying how Hobbs destroyed Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho and Guevara will be back soon. He's dealing with a concussion. Um, Renee is backstage with MJF, asked for comments about what went on tonight. MJF said he'd usually freak out on her, but he just wants to talk to his boy and call Adam Cole, who picked up much to the surprise of MJF. Cole said he's still dealing with Roger Strong as they're in the middle of nowhere, so the connection kept cutting out. The call dropped as the acclaimed daddy ass walked up and offered to team up with Bullet Club Gold against Bullet Club Gold. MJF walked off. Daddy S said, what's Caster's inf- infatuation with MJF? Caster said they've been friends for 10 years, trained together, and likes that Max plays hard to get. Nice. All right, and we get to our main event where Christian Cage comes to the ring with Luchasaurus. Tells the fans to keep the noise down as he conducts business. Unlike the Chiefs, Cage doesn't need extra help to get his wins. Cage said it was interesting that Adam Copeland said Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne will turn on him when he tried to take a group and dress them like Halloween. Copeland viewed himself as a leader. Cage is Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne's father. Cage said he'd held back when Copeland was pushed to the moon. While Copeland's career is on the downslope, Cage is on the rise and Copeland needs him, not the other way around. Cage has lots of fans around the world, including Copeland's wife, Beth. Cage told her to put some clean sheets on the bed. He also telling Copeland's children, Lyric and Ruby, that their new father is coming home. <laughs> I mean, dude. How does he do it? Every fucking... He's like what MJF was, man. It's every fucking week. 
it gets better. The well, what lore I was thinking expands. about while I was thinking about this, I was like, we had this beautiful timing where he started to go back into this old school, like TNA Christian Cage, sort of just ruthless to sort of promo that he would cut back in the day, right? And it was perfectly timed with when the right we were right about to turn MJF babyface. So like, I we needed somebody like that to become like the ultimate antagonist, and then we also had the, the Don Callis to train Kenny Omega, which I don't think anyone. I think everyone expected people to to turn on Don, but I don't think they expected to get as much heat as he's had. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and so now you have like these two like heat magnets in in Don Callis and Christian Cage, who have essentially it took the two of them to replace a one MJF. That's kind of nuts. Definitely is. Um, Adam Copeland, he has his AEW in-ring debut where he faces Luchasaurus. The crowd was fucking behind him so much. He gave Luchasaurus a lot of offense, fought from behind as well. He was able to string together some of his, you know, some of his greatest hits, if you will. And he, uh, made the interferences backfire when they, when they happened. Cage and his crew, chaos post-match, uh, just showed that, you know, there's a lot of matches that AEW has in the future, uh, pretty much lined up. So. I mean, we are seeing Adam Copeland here hitting tornado DDTs off the fucking apron. He was hitting spears and fucking <laughs> inoculus spots, if you will. I, uh, like I said, I, I had watched his last match that he had with Sheamus. Even recently after he's been signed to AEW, I rewatched it. And I, was, I kept thinking to myself, if he can give us this, if he can give us this, I have no doubts about it. He goes out there with someone he's never wrestled before. And uh, he puts on a really fun, enjoyable match. And I am excited for the future of where we go from this. Is it going to be Copeland Cage at full gear? That's a fucking money match, if you ask me. That's a that's a ticket. That's a ticket mover right there. My oh, 100%. Brother. It probably um, has to main event again. You know, let's be honest. Could. You know what I mean? Like, unless you have MJF, like, defending on the show against Jay White, which will probably main event. But maybe you do the co-main event thing again. Fuck it. Fuck it. Uh, what, what did you think of this? And can we just get a, a, a slight round of applause for Luchasaurus? Getting Adam Copeland's first match. Well-deserved. Uh, this 100%. guy is fucking awesome. Now, he I put am... in the work over that TNT title reign. Like, I don't think when yep. anyone, like when they like suddenly hot-shotted it onto him, anyone was thinking we were going to get a really, really great Luchasaurus first singles title reign. And Luchasaurus, as far as I'm concerned now, he could be a single star for the rest of his career in AEW. You know what I mean? Like, um, I 1,000% agree. And he doesn't need Christian Cage, but his association with him is only making him a bigger star. So... Um. Yeah, you're really talking about the Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne are benefiting from this. Oh, hundred percent. Um, <clears throat> I do like that. Um, uh, even though you know, obviously, this was going to be Copeland's first, you know, win. He still uh sold like crazy for the younger guy in Luchasaurus, which I really appreciated. Um, but it was sort of a dismantling, and I like the Gigabrain strategy they went here for Christian. He basically came out, said the most aggressive thing that he thought he could say, and it got him off get off his game. He was off to, uh, off off kilter, and he got jumped by Luchasaurus as soon as he hit the ring. You know what I mean? And then he was on the back foot for the most of the match, and it took him, you know, overcoming that and the interference in order to win. And I thought it was just a great showcase of how much Adam Copeland can still do. And I'm really excited to see some of these bigger matches because you know he's going to step up for those ones as well. So I'm just excited to see. I I was a little worried because I hadn't really watched a ton of his matches and in a in WWE because I didn't want to see old Edge. You know, I didn't want that to be a reality. But now he's here in AEW, so I can't hide from it anymore. Now I have to face it. So and I I, I, I wasn't I wasn't terrified by what I saw. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, it it. Th- I think we have optimism to look forward to. 
Uh, like I alluded to, the post-match, Nick Wayne chop block Copeland, put the boots on him. Luchasaurus, him and Luchasaurus put the boots on him. Danielson hits the ring. Numbers are too much. Claudio and Wheeler sprinted out. Everything breaks down. Mogul Embassy's out. Heels are in control again. Um, Adam Page runs out, brawls with Swerve, and Copeland lays out Nick Wayne with a spear. Cage is left tapping in the label lock to end the show. I, uh, give me Nick Wayne and Copeland as the second match, and I'm, uh, how awesome for the 18-year-old, huh? I mean, you know, if if you if we just look, I'm sure if you looked at cage match for Nick Wayne's recent matches and you just included AEW specifically, just the matches they've given him have been insane. Like, and then we'll uh, we'll square off on probably one of the most forgettable uh, <laughs> forgettable rampages yet. Uh, Shivani, Caliber, and Paul Wayne on commentary. We open up with the the Hardys and Brothers A facing Matt Menard, Angela Parker, and Daniel Garcia. Uh, thankfully, Daniel Garcia actually wins this match, and uh, you know uh, Matt Menard was mad at Daniel Garcia for doing the dance. For doing the dance, Menard shoves him, and hopefully, this means Garcia can go on his own. Um, <laughs> for the Hardy's trio, Zay is doing the most of the flying, which is honestly probably for the best. <laughs> Agreed. Um, uh, they announced that Jay White and the Bullet Club interrupted Renee's interview from. Penta Ozero Miedo and Alex Abrahentis. This leads to a match next week. Fuck yes. Renee interviewed the winners. Menard is sick of the dancing. Parker's okay with it because he's bringing in wins. Hager demands they squash this. He uh, told everyone to squash this and stormed off. Uh, Jay Lethal defeats Trent Beretta. Um, uh, nah, I mean, it's cool to see these guys. Is, is there more generic Rampage match you can think of? Nope. And then we get into something that uh, actually is worth tuning into Rampage for. Mike Santana and Ortiz finally confront each other face-to-face. It's a very intense backstage promo. And uh, it culminated when Ortiz said he was coming for Santana's knee. Santana told Ortiz he blew out his knee carrying Ortiz. Oof! Bro, if this isn't just the hardest-hitting knockdown drag-out brawl ever, then yep. it, it, it's got to live up to this. It's got to be that. And these two can wrestle that style, so I'm so 1,000% excited to see that. This match, it, it, I hope it's going to be on full gear. I imagine it will be. And I Please. I, yes, give this to me on pay-per-view and let them just give them 20 minutes. Let them have all the time. Do it. And and this, I'm going to say this. I just like the Mystico thing next week, right? It's on Rampage. This. Santana and Ortiz finally being on Rampage, right? Guys, if this shit wasn't on Rampage, why are you watching it? Like, genuinely, you need to have stuff to tune into Rampage for. And in my opinion, if I know I'm tuning in every week and we're going to have Santana and Ortiz stuff keep happening, that makes me want to tune in. If I know we're tuning in next week, I can't. I am so excited for Rampage next week to have Mystico and Rocky Romero. Like, that's going to be awesome. And this gives us stuff to look forward to. I saw some people being like, ugh, why isn't this on Dynamite? Motherfucker, you are the same people saying, why don't they do more on Rampage? And I'm just, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, I think feuds can work out being Rampage only. Because you know what? The same people, if they're interested in it, they'll watch it on Twitter. They'll watch it on YouTube. You name it. Uh, these clips get a fuckload of views on both of them. Anyways, had to, had to say that for a second. Sky Blue defeated Emi Sakura. Um, big win for Sky Blue, actually, to, to pick up this victory here. Sakura hit a really clean double underhook into a backbreaker that uh, popped me. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Sky Blue is in her happy-go-lucky self after taking the mist. And uh, we got we to gotta look forward. We got to keep, uh, keep a closer eye on that, right? 
And then they announced those matches, Blue Statlander, Cage Commander, Jay Penta, and Rocky Mystico. Which, when I saw that match, I was like, okay. I That was when I entered the research lab, as I call it. <laughs> and then um, then our main event. And when, when we got to this match, I was like, okay, this should be good. What up? What up? What the fuck was I thinking? Who am I for thinking four good wrestlers could go out and put on a good match? But when no one cares, no one cares. And I don't think these four cared. And I'm sorry. I I thought it was just a... It was a nothing fart burger. It's not like it was a bad match. It was just nothing there. I'm telling you right now, I can't remember a single move from this match if if I don't read it off my notes right now. There was like one sequence in this match where Wheeler was isolated by himself. um, And he held the breach. But I didn't understand why that was happening. Yeah, I don't know. Between these four guys, and again, this could be a big Ring of Honor match if they wanted it to be, but, you know, they'd rather not put these guys on Ring of Honor for some reason sometimes, and, uh, you know, just it goes back to that thing we were talking about earlier, and um, Claudio hit the fastball special for the pinfall. My bad. You know what? I didn't cover all the pinfalls. Uh, Blue hit the code blue for the pinball. Jay Lethal won with a lethal injection, and in the first match, uh, it was was it just a roll up right from Daniel Garcia? Face uh, uh, face first suplex gut buster from Garcia to Zay. There you go. Which we know those guys are good friends. Um, am I bad? I forgot to cover those. Yeah, I mean, this is the definition of when people are like, you know, why does AEW even have Rampage anymore? When when it's Rampage episodes like this, I I'm not defending it. They they, they don't deserve it to be defended, and um, that's just where I'm at when it comes to that. Uh, so nothing out of the, uh, nothing ultra spectacular, but before we start collision, um, let's open up with, uh, talking about FDR's tag title reign since we didn't get a chance to cover it last week. And I feel like you and I both agree. It probably deserves us to talk about it. Um, so as you guys know, FTR lost to Ricky and big bill. It was kind of a glorified, you know, it was a, it was a sprint match like orange Cassidy earlier in the night, but. They beat their ass, and Big Bill and Ricky Starks are now the AEW World Tag Team Champions. Um, just, just real quick before we talk about the title reign, what did you were you surprised by the result? What did you think of the result? And uh, you know, how are you feeling? Nearly, you know, about about a about a week and a half later since it happened, I've kind of felt the entire time throughout this title reign that it may end on like a random dynamite or something because like I don't know they just didn't it didn't seem like there were multiple times when this could have ended there were people that you know they were up against that I was like I could see them winning this you know um and they didn't do it so I I, I did expect it to be a, a team that we hadn't seen regularly be a tag team before just because it didn't seem like they were waiting for a new like, it didn't seem like they were waiting for a team to be like, all right now we're on to this team and they're going to be the ones that win like they if they were going to do that they would have done that by now so uh, but i didn't expect it to be this soon um i think it was like injury related right like it sounds like it's worked injury oh well, okay then yes i don't uh, know then maybe we, they're just maybe in, it was just pre, time. yeah in the collision intro last week they did talk about cash was was hurt going into the match he was, you know, he's like, oh, we're banged up, but we're still doing it. We're still doing it. And, um, they're losing. Yeah, I mean, I, you know seconds. what? Um, there's not like a ton for Ricky to do in any of the singles divisions right now. So I guess if you're going to put a championship on him, this is the one that makes sense. So, yes. you know, um, I, I am very happy Ricky Starks is a champion in AEW. Absolutely. That, no Agreed. shaking that. 
Um, you, I, we've always thought one of our core things about this title reign was it had to be used to kind of get the tag teams back on track, right? It it had to get the tag titles back on track. There was no way fans or butts about it. It fucking had to. Did it do that? Yes, I think I think it very much so did. I think the tag titles are back on track. I think they're back at the top where they should be. Now, after they faced all these tag teams. Now, what what I'm about to say is is not me mad who they lost it to. It's it's more like a philosophy that I have just kind of fallen into with wrestling and don't get me wrong. Random pairings all the time can turn into some of the best tag teams, right? Don't get me wrong with what I'm about to say. Um, but in the same week, you have Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso win the tag titles. And you have Big Bill and Ricky Starks win the tag titles. Now, Cody and, and Jay, that definitely feels a little more random thrown together. Like, they're not going to be a tag team a year from now, right? There's the, that's not going to happen. Big Bill and Ricky Starks... A year from now, could I see them being a legitimate, genuine tag team with a name? You know, they're the fucking, the, I don't know. The revolution is big. I don't know. Uh, the big revolution. <laughs> Large William and Little Ricky. All right. Uh, no, you have names. Um, but I think, you know, could I see them being a tag? I think there's more of a chance of them being a tag than Jay and, and Cody Rhodes, right? However, what the... Why did we not just lose it to Aussie Open? And I, I know, yes, maybe that was the call. And Mark Davis fucking broke his wrist mid-match, right? Maybe that was the call. And they're like, you know what? Because we do know that Dax, uh, it's come out of the Wrestling Observer. And those guys aren't, uh, aren't always the biggest fans of Dax, but they will report what is true. And what we do know is Dax and Cash called for this. They wanted Big, Big Bill and Ricky to beat them like this, beat them. This is these guys' first title reigns in, in any of the company. Big Bill never won a title in WWE. And now him and Ricky are tag champs. So I, when, the, when I saw this happen, I wasn't overwhelmed with joy as much as I thought I'd be seeing Ricky win the title. But I am happy now. I, I, now that it's had some time to set in and you know, we're about to, you're about to cover Collision, and now that we've seen them with the belts and what they're doing, I'm like, okay. You can get me on board. I, I do love, I do enjoy this tag team. And um, I think, uh, you know, they didn't just put the titles on to the Lucha Brothers or the Young Bucks or some of these teams that have been great. They put it on a new tag team. They put it on a team that hasn't won the belts. And uh, that being said, let's talk about their reign, huh? So you got to go. This is a 185-day tag title reign. The third longest reign with the longest being Young Bucks at 302 and Omega and Page at 228. So I believe this joins those two as your top three AEW tag title reigns. I think it's safe to say. Um, they they won the titles in a match of AEW World Tag Team titles versus FTR's AEW careers, where the Guns put that on the line at Dynamite 183 at April 5th. And this was big because there was actual rumblings of, you know, are FTR going to return to WWE? Is this going to happen? They win this match and then we, you know, the contract stuff comes out. They they got four years on their contract and they're finishing them out with AEW. Then they're done wrestling, which I I think it's safe to say we're both kind of on the same page. Like, yeah, that probably is true. You know, 
They, they seem like those kind it of guys that sense. they'll lend on a high. Uh, their first tag title defense is um, quite literally eight weeks later. So I remember thinking at the time, what the fuck is going on? And their first tag title defense was, was against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett at double or nothing. And what happened? They fucking crushed it. Great match. You flash forward that AW collision has now started and they're, you know, they were billed as kind of the main things with punk is, you know, you can find the house of black FTR punk and they were doing all this great stuff in pretty much in every main event. And then AW collision number five, it happens. Still my favorite collision match of the year. The AEW World Tag Team title, best two out of three falls match, FTR defeats Bullet Club Gold in 58 minutes and three seconds. Is it, is it, this was uh, July 5th, July 15th. Just, now that, you know, we're, we're three months removed from this match, are you still just like I am? Can you not believe that we got this match on TV? Like it just it still feels unreal, uh, like surreal to me that this this match happened for us on TV for free, if you will. Um, two weeks later at AW Collision number seven, FTR defeated Adam Cole and MJF. There was a real opportunity that they might lose the belts here. This was a big thing. There was a lot of push that Cole and MJF might retain, or, or you know might win the titles. Another seventeen plus minute match that was a fucking slobber knocker. The next week on Collision, they defeat Big Bill and Brian Cage. Yeah, you know, we thought for a little bit there, Big Bill and Brian Cage might be a team going forward. I mean, there was some uh, some rumors that you know maybe even Bill jumps out of uh, you know, jumps out of uh, what's his group's uh, name, the Mogul Embassy. Flash forward to AEW All in London 2023, where we get uh, FTR defending the Young Bucks in a pretty good match, and at this at this point, I. Now I'd become more and more confident of the tag title reign that they were having. It was starting to reach the levels I had hoped for. Uh, they then defeat about four weeks later. They defeat the Iron Savages at AW Collision 14. Collision 15, they defeat the Workhorsemen. And then at Wrestle Dream, uh, about a week ago, they defeated uh, Aussie Open in a really fun match. It was a match that I was a little underwhelmed with at the time. But all in all, I became, uh, I ended up, you know, I'm going to look back on it with fond memories. You just can't compare it to the Royal Quest 2 match because, you know, you'll, you'll realize that I that was a one the ever going to be as good at randomly from like nowhere as that match was because that was just a streak of matches in the series of matches that they had with the Briscoes as well that they were just, FTR is never going to, I mean, Dax is a singles wrestler at the time, one of my singles wrestler of the year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, like. The holy trinity of programs, these guys, Briscoes, Aussie Open, and DIY, I think is their best rivals. And um, I can't believe we had two of them last year. And, you know, might never see another one again. But, uh, well, we'll definitely never see the Briscoes one again. But, you know, in DIY, we, you know, who knows if we ever see that, those guys get in the ring together again either. And, um, you know, flash forward a week later and they lose it at Collision 17. So I, at first, it's safe to say even as much as we were glazing up, you know, how, when they won it, what this title reign could be, they defended the belts twice in three months. And, you know, at first we, even you and I were underwhelmed by that. But once they, it wasn't the, the quality or the quantity of matches they were doing. It was the quality. 
And I think that's what it'll always be known as to me. Uh, this, to me, is probably the most memorable one. The most memorable tag title reign right now. I mean, Omega and Page is because it was just so iconic at the beginning. But, um, yeah. Just now that it's over. Yeah, just uh, tell me how you feel and then jump right into Collision for you. Collision episode 18. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it ultimately accomplished a large amount of what we were hoping that it would. I do think the tag division has been elevated by this reign. I do think um, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up um, and if they can maintain the level of quality that the tag division has had. Um, but I do think it's likely that it won't have as much of a central focus maybe now because we don't have one of the major tag teams as champions, but I don't know if AEW books that way, so we'll have to see. Um, but that being said, I'm going to clear my throat and then we'll go through collision. Okay. Collision, a wrestling show that happened this week. First thing uh, of note on this show was uh, Tony Schiavone was on commentary and I'm, I'm going to be that guy and say that fucking dragged out the energy of this show a lot. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I, I don't I didn't like she go I didn't like the I did not like the three man commentary team on this. I'm sorry. No, um, Tony does not need to be on this. And it, it actually uh, we might be in the minority of this, but it, it actually did bring down the commentary. Kevin yeah. and Nigel's perfect. And I Shivani's not in his prime with commentary. I loved I, I love the guy. But, and why did uh, Kevin Kelly take a back seat to fucking Shivani? That's so weird to me. Like, I don't. I felt like that I, was an on-the-day decision because that, that's never been how anyone else joining commentary has worked with this so far. Like, I really hope it's not a precedent they're setting. Like, now Shivani's the lead commentator on this show. I'd be very disappointed with that decision. Um, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I yeah. There was uh, no cold open on the episode of Collision this week. We just jumped straight to Adam Copeland's music. And you know what? It's a good move. Um, he came out and said, called out Christian Cage. Um, he also got a pretty big pop, I guess I should note. Um, but he wanted Christian Cage to explain more what he said on Dynamite. Cage then made his entrance alongside Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne and a force of security guards. Um, specifically one large man in a suit who looked like, um, kind of looked a little bit like, uh, the, the, what is that fucking, um, I, I was trying to think of, uh, some, some famous person that he looked like, but I couldn't think anyway. Oh, well. Um, it just, he looked really out of place. I'll be honest, but maybe he's somebody, I don't know, you know, like, well, who knows? You never know in wrestling, right? Um, Cage wasn't surprised that Copeland would, uh, uh, walk onto collision and ask for answers. Um, but he had asked Copeland to hit the bricks before he had to have him removed from the building. Like he did the Blackpool combat club. Yeah. Brian Danielson then joined, um, letting Christian know that, uh, him and Nick Wayne were banned from ringside as well. And then Ricky Starks and Big Bill. I will say this did feel a little overbooked. Like there was a lot of people in this segment. Um, oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um, so then we get Ricky Starks and Big Bill entering. They're unhappy. And they're like saying like, yo, you're all taking out my television time. All you old people, you know, like yeah. basically um, he doesn't have any respect for Copeland or Danielson. Chris, he does respect Christian though. Weird. Um, doesn't really fit his vibe, but all right. Um, and then Stark and Copeland were trading bars back and forth, which felt a little bit shoot, but maybe that was intentional, you know, like, um, I, I don't know. I feel like the, it's low hanging fruit to go for the rock references with Ricky. Cause he literally is a rock fan, but I mean, whatever, you know, um, 
anyway, then FTR hit the ring as if we needed more people in this fucking segment, you know. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so the AW Medical gave them a choice to wrestle or sit out last week, but they chose to fight. Didn't work out for them. They're willing to earn their way back to the tag titles. Danielson's uh, wanting to have his match with Christian right now. Uh, but then he shoved the security into Brian. That is Christian Cage, pronouns pal. Um, and yeah, it just started a giant brawl. Copeland and FTR and Danielson fought off the security and stood tall at the end of the segment. So, you know, just a chaotic as hell opening segment. I thought it was fun, though. I I, I enjoyed it, but it was just, looking back on it now, mega overbooked. Like, <laughs> uh, oh, any thoughts yeah. on that opening there? I mean, yeah, it was it was fun just to get them all out there and get it rolling, you know. As if you know, starting the wrestling, it, but yeah, it, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, um, we got a video package for AW World Champion MJF, who took part in the Stand Up to Jewish Hate charity event. Who who was there alongside uh, the owner of the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, also the owner of the Boston Breach. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, true. <laughs> imagine start getting CDL references in here. Um, I'm assuming it's the same crafts, right? Um, crafty sports. Yep. And uh, Patriots receiver Julian Edelman was apparently there as well. So shout outs to MJF, you know, out there doing good shit in the world. Um, it seemed like he uh, was really like happy to be there and like excited about the whole situation. We had a Ring of Honor World Television Championship match. Samoa Joe took on and defeated Willie Mack. Um, they traded shoulder blocks. Basically, we got our reiteration of the meat division. They still refuse to, you know, to lean into the meat. Um, but, you know, eventually they'll have to cave because AEW just has no choice. The meat division will happen one way or the other. Uh, Mack hit a jumping knee and it sent Joe out to the floor. And then he, you know, hit a plonka. Plancha, however you pronounce that. I actually never knew how it's pronounced, but I always said Plancha, so I'm going to go with that one. Um, apparently, I don't remember this. I, apparently, I tuned out during this match. I don't remember this happening, but apparently, <laughs> Mac hit a purple nurple? <laughs> yeah. Respect. I love I, I, I Willie Mac is awesome. I can't, I can't help but appreciate what the, the, it's tippable, you know what I mean? Um, and he laid in some strikes and then hit that sick-looking cannonball. Picked up a near fall and traded him back and forth with strikes. Joe caught him with the Manhattan drop. Big boot. Senton. Um, that's one of my favorite little combos that uh, Joe does, by the way. Um, he's do- he did that in WWE as well. and It didn't look as good there, I'll be honest. Um, maybe it's the other wrestlers there. Anyway, um, maybe they're not as good. But um, at one point, Matt caught the boot. Hit a stunner. It was actually a really clean stunner from Willie Mack, by the way. I was not expecting that. Not that I don't think he could hit a stunner, but it was just like, it was extra clean. I was like, damn. Man can um, move. Yeah. Joe made the cutoff, you know, muscle buster, one, two, three. Um, Joe's 20 days away from Jay's record. I actually looked that up recently. He's very close. So I think I did the math. And if he were to retain that at the pay-per-view, um, he would break the record. So maybe? Probably not though. They'll probably just have. What I'm guessing, he'll defend that week. You know what I mean? On TV, probably. Yeah, probably the best idea. On Ring of Honor, and then it'll have filmed it the previous week, but it'll be for that week. You know what I mean? And then they'll say, "Oh, he broke the record. Oh my god!" You know. Lexi there was backstage with CJ Perry, who I, I I guess is not going by CJ anymore. He is going by CJ Perry now officially. Good to know. Um, 
She's looking for people who are tired of sitting on the sidelines and watching others succeed. And Action Andretti came up, Charlie. He said, hello, I'm Action Andretti. Uh, you know, I'd like to, uh, to figure out what the deal is here. And uh, yeah, so I guess CJ Perry's going to be managing Action Andretti, Charlie. Thoughts? Uh, I think this is a good fit for his career, but maybe it could spell his doomfall as we found out later on. Doom. Anyway, um, so yeah, we got a video package. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what that is. Um, and so yeah, he said he was one call away, so they'll have to do that. We had another Danhausen video package coming out of the commercial. Um, so I guess we're gonna be getting Danhausen probably in the next few weeks. I would think. Uh, maybe I don't know. We'll have to see some Danhausen. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see Danhausen, Hook, and Orange Cassidy be a trio. That would be an interesting trio. Um, he has teen with both of them in the past. He could do it. Um, Juice Robinson was with Jay White and the Guns, and he took on Chris and defeated Christopher Daniels. Um, Christopher Daniels getting all over AEW television this week. Go figure. Um, they just kept Robinson like kind of on the back foot for a bit. He had some arm drags, you know, sent him into the middle of the ropes, into the middle rope, I should say. Guns were hitting cheap shots, you know. They did their, you know, systematic cheating is still alive and well in AEW. Um, the announcers were talking about how the Dynamite does in Battle Royal on this week's Dynamite. Would, the winner would get a match with MJF for the wing, against MJF for the ring on the next week's Dynamite from Philly. Um, Robinson then drilled him with some punches, landing the left hand at God in a senton. Only picked up a near fall there. Robinson then went for the juices loose, but Daniels then reversed it into a Northern Light Suplex for a near fall. Daniels then put Robinson down with an STO before firing up and hitting a second STO. Daniels hit a Death Valley driver for a near fall. You know, honestly, this match was kind of a lot of back and forth for like how short it was. Um, I think that's kind of the way they get around Christopher Daniels' um, lack of stamina in his older age. You know what I mean? Because um, I've seen Christopher Daniels get gassed in like a 10 plus minute match before, you know, like, um, so I, I think that's how they kind of avoid him getting scorched out too, per, early, too early on. Uh, we had another left handed God in a juice is loose to make up the win. Robinson then picked up the mic, telling MJF that he could knock people out with a ring too. Uh, Robinson was knocking people out for years and he didn't need a ring to do it. Robinson threatened to pawn off MJF's dynamite diamond ring after he won it to fund a vacation for the Bang Bang Gang. JY told MJF that, uh, by the way, if that's how they would literally write the thing off TV, I'm kind of okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it needs to stick around. Like, it was a very MJF centric thing, you know? Like, yeah, um, exactly. And no one else has ever been given an opportunity at it. So if that's how they get rid of it, you know what? There have been worse ways to write stuff off of wrestling television. So, um, and there'd be a lot of emotional resonance there with how much it means to MJF, you know, but it would also be, and I, I, I think this is me just taking that a little bit too nerdy here, but it would also be the last, it'd be the stripping away of the last bit of MJF that was evil, you know, if you wanted to take it that far. So you must anyway. build it down to begin anew. Well, I'm just saying like, it would be the full reset. Now he doesn't need the ring, so he doesn't care if he loses it, you know, like. He has to be more than that. I'm just saying, if I was writing a good story, that's the kind of stuff that I would want to think about, you know? Um, yeah, he's saying all this happened because of the attack that he still believes. So Jay White then took the mic and he was like, yeah, you know, this is all happening because of the attack that MJF did a few weeks back, which I still myself don't believe was MJF, you know? Um, no. 
and uh, Bullet Club Global was going to take everything from him, and it was going to end with Jay White as AW World Champion. Is that the uh, is that the twist in the in the full gear made event? Is whoever in the mask is going to come in and cost Jay White the match? Is that what is that what we're going towards here? Like, I could see it. Yeah. <sighs> Any ideas about who it could be? I part of me still thinks it might be David Finley, and it's Bullet Club, and we do the Bullet Club versus Bullet Club Gold. I could see it. Those, they're gonna have, you know, there's not a lot of shows going on in Japan before Wrestle Kingdom, so you know that give them a good like six, seven weeks over in the states. There you go. And then yeah, and then that gives you an excuse to put Jay White on uh, Wrestle Kingdom. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, possibly there. You also have the opportunity if you want to try and get Kenny on that show. You know what I mean? Which you probably will get Kenny on that show facing Will. I would think, right? Um, maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, we got a promo package from Dustin Rhodes saying he was excited to come back to Texas and win the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. He wants the ring and a chance to fulfill his dream of winning the AEW World Title. So that confirms if you beat MJF for this uh, for this shot and win the ring, you get a title shot. Which I think is that's how that should work. One thousand yeah, percent. If you're if you're the Dynamite Diamond Ring holder and you're also a champion and you lose the ring, you should have to give up a title shot. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Uh, it also gives people more incentive to give a shit about the ring, you know, besides just the ring itself is obviously, you know, shiny, but, you know, that's only going to get you so far if it doesn't mean anything. So, Lixie was backstage with Nick Wayne, and she informed him that Jim Ross will be having a sit-down interview with him and his mom next week on Dynamite. Nick Wayne didn't know this was happening, and he said he's going to tell the world why he turned on Dyn- Darby Allen on Dynamite. Um, yeah, so, I'm. I guess that'll probably be a pretty uh, hot segment next week, I would think. Um, and maybe Christian Cage will show up. Who knows? Yeah, that's going to be fun. Kyle Fletcher. And I'm not, I'm not usually too excited for these sit-downs, but you know what? Getting Nick Wayne and his mom They're on there, that might actually be pretty cool. I mean, one of the better segments we got this year was the Eddie Kingston and, and you know, Claudio so sit-down. Good. So good. Yep. Yeah. So they can, be, they can come out of nowhere and be good, so... Uh, Kyle Fletcher took on a defeated Boulder now. I guess he's not being called... What was he being called? Like, it was Dirty Bolt Bronson, and what the hell was he being called? I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't even... My brain's completely locked it out. <sighs> yeah, buried country. Anyway, um... Yeah, so Boulder was, like, being overpowering to start, because, you know, obviously, it's a little, David, a little bit of David and Goliath vibes here. Um... Didn't budge in the shoulder block attempts. He got sent flying, you know, with, like, a gorilla plus... A gorilla-pressed slam? Uh, Fletcher was sending Boulder like out to the apron and booting him down. He then hit a suicide dive. I never see anyone actually type that out a suicide dive anymore. They had a tope, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before bringing back uh, Boulder to the ring, hitting Yakuza kick. It's a great apron move, by the way. The Yakuza kick, bro. Come on. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like a squash, let's be honest. Like, I mean, yeah, he's big, so he gets a little bit more in, but Kyle Fletcher was picking up a quick win here you know um he's try- i think they're trying to book him as a single star does that you think mean mark is probably out for a little while then um yeah i think as far as i remember it's a broken wrist so he's probably got some time i really hope it's not like a fuck ton of time like a, a couple of months but i mean you know if he broke his wrist i mean it sounded like the wrist was pretty bad before when he came over to the states you know so like 
or whatever he had injuries with before, you know? So I'm not surprised that dude's like still not fully back together because he was like, it sounded like he was in a pretty bad spot, like financially and, you know, ability to heal himself wise when he was like on not no contract with new Japan, you know, like, so hopefully he can get some better medical care now that he's with AEW. Um, Renee Paquette was backstage with the acclaimed and she congratulated on them for defending their trio titles three times in a week. Billy Gunn then let Max Caster know that they would help Caster out with his MJF stuff if it mattered to him. They offered him some advice, telling him to simply compliment, to simply compliment, uh, wait. What? The, I think they fucking mistyped this. They said to compliment Renee. That doesn't seem right. I'm not sure. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember what this was. Oh, I believe if I remember the segment correctly, sometimes Wrestler Observer does just get the shit straight wrong. I'll be honest with you, because if I remember the segment correctly, it was he was supposed to say something nice to Max, right? I think so. And Renee was just disgusted with it because of what he said about Max, not because of what what he said didn't have anything to do with her. Maybe it was say something nice to Renee. I maybe they just did a really bad job of making clear what the fuck was going on. To be honest with you, I don't know. Let's move on. I don't give a shit about the segment anymore. It just was more about Max Caster being weird, you know. Um, yeah, he mentioned oral sessions. I don't know what the fuck this had to do with Renee and why it was the MJF stuff. I don't know what the fucking deal was here, man. I I don't know what's going on anymore. The fucking collision is everything has gone to shit. <laughs> AEW's in shambles. It's all on fire. No, imagine if that was the take. Um, we had a TBS title match because Statlander defeated Sky Blue. It was a solid match here. Um, I think the continuing uh, streak of matches that Chris Statlander is going to uh, be on here, I think this is going to be one of those title runs when we go back and talk about it. We won't just be like, oh, this match was fun and that match. I think we're actually going to be like, damn, wow, all these matches were just really good. Like, How did we just like, like sleep on this title reign? I feel like it's going to be a slept on title reign for sure. Um, yeah. We, you know, we had some back and forth, some hard hitting stuff. You know, um, one of the great strengths that Sky Blue has is her selling because not a lot of people her age, I feel like, that are her, like as early in her career, as early in their career as she is, are capable of selling for somebody who is in need of being made to look like a really strong overall. Like, um, because I don't know, I just feel like the art of selling is just like dead in wrestling. I feel like you either like do just like really over the top indie sort of like I throw myself into the third bucket row every time somebody punches me, or you do like you know, um, like actual selling, like something Brian Danielson does, you know, like where like you hit him with something and like he actually like looks like he's reacting to it, like it's hurting him. Anyway, you know, like um. I don't know how to describe what I'm saying because I'm not a fucking wrestler, but everyone, including you, Charlie, I think knows what I'm saying. Like, there's a difference yeah. between, like, good selling and just, like, flopping around, you know? Like, but both oh, yeah. have their parts in wrestling. Uh, and I think, um, but I think with, with, with her and honestly with all of the uh, women that Chris Outlander has faced, they've all been in that vein of where they, where they actually do know how to use their body in a way that um, is beneficial to the opponent. Um, yeah, I don't know why they're leaning so much into this sky blue attitude change. I guess she's gonna be like, what is she joining the fucking House of Black now? Like, I don't, I don't know where they're going with this man. Like, 
it, it's confusing to me. By the way, I don't want, if I sound super negative this week, y'all, I'm a little like half, I'm, I'm barely like, I'm, I'm really tired because I've been up since like, I think seven in the morning is when I got up today or something, which is not that like early, but I, I've been sleeping weird times lately. So it was a weird time, but um, I'm, I'm a bit tired. So if I sound a little bit crabby, that's why, but I, I didn't really actually dislike a lot of these things. It's just like, I'm. I'm sitting here, like, doing the thing that we do a lot, Charlie, right? Like, where I, like, I, I question things. I'm like, is this going to go somewhere? Or are they just, like, leaning too hard into something that's going to, like, backfire ultimately? And then we're just going to forget about it. And then when the House of Black comes back, it'll just be them and Julia again. You know, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's the first we've seen it where someone really reacts to what Julia did to him. So we just got to see how they play it out for us. Hopefully, Hopefully they care. It also did seem it. like because they hit uh, Willow with the mist as well, right? So it seems like Willow is like she comes out at the end here, right? And like sort of like puts herself between Statlander and uh, Sky Blue, right? So I guess they're both like on Team House of Black. Now, I don't know what the hell's going on, but it's you know it could just be something like what Athena is doing to Ring of Honor, where they they feel like they have to step up in order to beat Julia or something. I don't. I don't know. They have to get more yeah. aggressive. Like, I don't... If, like, them both, like, doing something small with Chris is going to lead to a feud with Julia, it does feel like we're going a little bit, uh, like, a fall, like over way over here to the right to go left. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really make sense, but maybe it will make more sense over time. AW does tend to do that sometimes, so... We then had Kyle Fletcher... We had Kyle Fletcher backstage... Um, open to prove that he's, you know, a good singles wrestler. And Charlie, my man's called out Kenny fucking Omega on Dynamite. That match is going to hump. I am so down with that. And we had a really, really sick video package after this uh, for La Faccion in Goblinable. Uh We had Rouge Press Advanced, Realistico, and Jose the Assistant. Jose Arisantante, uh, you know, back, you know, back there doing like donuts and fucking sick cars, and Rouge is like, remember, if you mess with the bull, you're gonna get the horns. So I think oh, we're getting some, uh, yeah, we're getting some La Faccion and Gobanable, uh stuff here soon. I, you know, hey, put him in there with somebody. You know, maybe maybe Rouge wants his his revenge for Andrade abandoning them. You know, who knows? We'll see where they go. Um, I'm glad that they're finally out of the void. They're they're finally making it back from Mexico. I feel like they've been in Mexico for like three months. I'm not even kidding. Like, <laughs> in storyline, really you know though. what I mean? Like, yeah. which hey man, if you think about it in storyline, they've been there training in Mexico for three months. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it kind of makes sense. I love the way this is. It. <laughs> I got to shout out the fucking wrestling observer here because it literally all it says is Keith Lee defeated Turbo Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. No really need to even expand upon it. Yeah, I get it. Also, Charlie, how the fuck are the Outrunners still on fucking collision, bro? What no are we doing? What that are we one? Doing? Nah, I got nothing. Shane Taylor and Lee Moriarty were watching from backstage. Uh, Lee basically is like, you know, like, I think trying to like have a feud with Shane Taylor, but somebody backstage has like he owes them money or something because they don't want to actually pull the trigger on it. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of feuds that are like stop start right now, and this is one of them. And I don't know why they don't just do it. You know what I mean? Like 
because they're also kind of feuding with fucking a little bit with with Lee Johnson in Ring of Honor. It's so confusing with Shane Taylor right now, but that's why I, I don't try to even unpack it. It doesn't make sense. But we had Miro backstage because you know that to from going from making no sense to clearly making sense, we had Miro backstage talking about how he's been tempted recently with his wife, his hot and flexible wife, CJ Perry around, you know? Um, says that te- her temptations are surrounding her now and that she won't be able to resist them. He will destroy any man that comes near her to make sure that doesn't happen before showing it, showing a beaten action Andretti. Uh, metal. <laughs> yeah, okay. At least he's not stuck in the white void anymore. That's all I'll say. You know? Yeah. Um, he finally escaped that. I, I'm, you know, my kayfabe, uh, my, my, sorry, my headcanon kayfabe for that is that God trapped him in a void for his fucking sins, um, and he escaped. <laughs> That's why he's rejected God, um, because he found out he's more powerful. Anyway, um, we gotta, yeah, we then gotta run down to the dynamite car with the additions of the Tony Storm, uh, film being on there, a Sting promo, and a confirmation of that Kyle Fletcher match. So, um. We then got a video package for the Mystico versus Rocky Romero match, which added a little bit of more gravitas to that, you know? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, we'll see that. And also, Action Andretti versus Miro has also been added to the show during all this sort of, like, adding to the show shit. And then, I believe this was our main event. Yes. Uh, yep. We had our AWTNT championship match between Christian Cage and Brian Danielson. Um, excellent main event here. Uh, Jim Ross joined commentary desk, of course, as he does for the collision main events. And, um, this is basically them trying to play to each other's strength. You know, Christian Cage was trying to outthink Brian Danielson and Brian Danielson was trying to out wrestle Brian, uh, Brian Cage. <laughs> yeah. Christian Cage. No, that, that's a good um, way of putting it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so, you know, he was trying to get out to the floor as much as possible, locking in bell locks and stuff like that. We're trying to be attempted by Brian Danielson. Um, we came back in from the commercial. We locked him in. A, we had uh, Christian Cage get locked in a surfboard stretch, and they got bring down. You know, he brought that down into a pinfall, and then Cage then slipped out to the apron, picked the ankle, and Danielson reversed an Irish whip, sent Cage into the barricade. Danielson was then hit. Sorry, Danielson then hit a running knee into the barricades, brought Christian back into the ring, locked on a series like various submissions here and there. Converted all that into a pinfall. Didn't get much out of it. He got a poke in the eye from Cage there, which gave him the advantage. Dropped him with an arm breaker. Took control of the match. You know, we had the classic Danielson, you know, bump into the turnbuckle sternum first, which is obviously a reference to Bret Hart. And, which you can never go wrong with referencing Bret Hart uh, selling because this guy was kind of a genius wrestling, you know? Um... Danielson, when he went for that diving headbutt, was, uh, you know, he got avoided by, you know, Christian Cage. Danielson was uh, favoring his right arm at this point. And, of course, that means that now, uh, what are the rules of wrestling, Charlie? Now Christian Cage has to attack the arm. Um, so Danielson was sent, in, you know, down to the floor. They, they spent a lot more time on the floor in this match, I guess, than I realized. Um, but, I mean, I guess that's how you get, again, I guess that's how you wrestle around Christian Cage, right? Um you know, he, he went for that suicide dive. Cage cut him off with the actually a beautifully placed bomb strike, Charlie. I'm not even gonna lie to you. He fucking killed him with it. It was awesome. Yeah, um, that was that was a beauty. Uh Cage then hit like a pendulum kick on the apron. He dropped Danielson under the apron with a hammerlock back suplex. That that was a nice spot, actually. There were some really cool spots in this match, and Christian Cage proving that he still can't actually go out there and have a wrestling match, you know? 
Um, Danielson, by the way, with the screaming, with the selling on this dude, I he just is on another level right now. It's crazy. Um, actually, all throughout the rest of this, when he was slamming his arm into the announce table, every time he did something to that arm, Danielson just let out a scream. That I'm just like, I don't know what it is about Brian Danielson, but I just believe that he's in pain even when he's not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um. He, he put, you know, uh, cage deck onto the mat. He actually hit the, you know, diving headbutt this time, trading strikes back and forth. Um, I believe Christian got hard weight, although he might have cut himself open. I don't know, but it did just seem like it came out of nowhere. Um, Danielson was making the one arm comeback. You know, he kicked cage until he bailed out. Danielson then followed up with another, you know, attempt on the suicide dive. This time he hit it. He had a nice little drop kick, picked up a near fall off that. You know, Cage uh, countered a top rope Hurricane Rana by rolling through with a sunset flip, which that was just a crazy spot. You know, like, I, if you had told me that they would have hit a crazy fucking insane reversal spot like that with Christian Cage in 2023, I'd have been like, hey, I okay. know. You know, dude's Jeez. just insane. Like, he probably could actually be having five star matches, but it fits his gimmick better to be having these sort of old man matches. You know what I mean? Like, not that they're old man matches, but he doesn't, you know. He's not having the same kind of match that Ray Phoenix and Orange Cassidy did. You know what I mean? Like, um, he really yeah, is on the best run of his career. It feels like a hundred percent. Cage attempted a kill switch. Danielson forced the down to his knees and then hammered him with some more kicks. Cage ducked and had ducked the head before dropping Danielson with a hammerlock reverse DDT, which is, by the way, um, you know, a great spot, um, especially with all the head, uh, you know, stuff. Good stuff. Cage jumped into Spear, Danielson kicked him and hit the head kick for a near fall. That head kick was nasty, by the way. And uh, Danielson then kicked Cage's head in. You know, he did like the stomping on the head spot, loaded up Psycho Knee. Christian cut him off with a spear, hit the kill switch. Only got two. I honestly thought that was crazy that he kicked out. I was like, is Danielson winning this? Holy shit. You know, like. Danielson then locked on the lapel lock. Lapel lock. Cage reached the ropes. Danielson then dragged him back to the middle of the ring. Couldn't reapply it due to the damaged arm, which I thought was a good spot. Big Bill and Ricky Starks then make their way down to the ring because he was going to eventually lock it in. And they help him to get out. Cage then rolled on top of Danielson after they uh, hit him with the belt or something like that, I think is what happened. I believe that was the spot. Either way, they hit him with something and knocked him out. And then he covered him and got the win. And then everyone, including Luchasaurus and Nick, Nick Wayne, stomped on Danielson until FDR and Adam Copeland came out to make the save, even the odds. Copeland laid out Wayne with a spear to stand tall at the end of the show. They basically sacrificed Nick Wayne to the Aztec gods at the end. Um, and as they should, you know. Um, and Sacrifice to the Aztec gods might be the most metal thing that we've ever had spoken on this show. I'm here for it. Uh, and during the match, they announced the they claimed we would defend the uh, AW Trio titles against 2.0 and Daniel Garcia next week, which, as much as I hate to say it, I think the JS, JS Rejects might actually win, as crazy as that is to say. like, Wouldn't that be something? They could use some titles, man. They could use some titles. Well, yeah, all in all, I thought I'm with you. Collision was pretty solid. I mean, the end of the match, that main event was fucking incredible. Oh, we also got a battle for the belts next week that we haven't mentioned yet, so I should throw that in there. Yeah, um, wonder what they're gonna what they're gonna do on that outside of uh, just the acclaimed title match. So uh, another three Joe hours a title of match, and then maybe 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 three hours of wrestling. Just want it back. 
yeah, could be, could be. But yeah, guys, that'll be it for us. Um, if you guys hung around for this oh, whole show, dude, T- Stat will be defending on that, duh, definitely. Or Orange Cassidy probably will too. So, um, thank you very much for hanging around this entire show. Uh, it's glad it's. I hope you guys, if this is your first time checking us out and you stuck all the way through, man, uh, hit that little follow button, subscribe, whatever it is, and stick around for the next one. We'll be here next week. We'll get these uploaded on Monday night for you. And uh, thank you very much. You hope you guys have a good one. And uh, we're going to have Wardlow take us out in honor of his uh, his squash match this week. <laughs>